Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're covering season six, episode one, titled The Red Woman. Uh, this was, I want to say, a controversial episode, and I was not surprised one bit by that. Well, I mean, we, we knew this kind of coming in, that yeah. I'm expecting a lot of the book readers to be, especially in the first few episodes, because all they've talked about on the off-season, because I'm subscribed to a lot of them and check out the forums... Is you know people not wanting to watch it and saying how it's going to go off the rails and mm-hmm. you know they're like I feel like there's a certain segment of the book readers who are predisposed to anything that not only I mean you're not even talking about deviations from the canon you're talking about deviations from your predictions based on the canon right and that is like this weird choose your own adventure where you know you chose wrong bitch sometimes and I don't I think people are going to have a problem with that. Yeah, it's confirmation bias. It's natural. At its best. Uh, and, and yeah, it is completely natural. It's unfortunate, I think, because I personally, I don't think this was a bad episode. But a lot of people are like, oh, fuck this. There's so many plot holes and all this yeah. stuff. And we'll talk about that when we get to those scenes. But well, but it's also like you overall, know- the opinion, like I said in the preview cast, has come across as negative to me. The vast majority of the voices out there mm. are saying this is bullshit. I don't know, because I, I thought that like within a few hours of the meltdown thread that they pr- posted on the Song of Ice and Fire forums, there was another one like, does anyone else think that this was a pretty good episode? And then there right. was... so I. But the the most talk I see about it okay. is, look at this plot hole, yeah. uh, look at their choices, and it's it's not a positive overall thing. Yeah, well, I think it's like, you know, what, what, what do they always say, like, before you mess with psychedelics... It's all about set and setting. If you're going to have a good time or bad time. Like, I went into Uh the season with the mindset of, I am curious about what popular theories are going to be proven or disproven. Because I think, I think, Double Ds are honest fans of Game of Thrones. Sure. And they are trying to do their level best to adapt this thing into a series of 10-hour seasons. Uh-huh. So I don't think that when they're fucking with Dorne, they're doing it just because they don't like Dorne and they and, think they know yeah. better than George. I, I think let's not forget they have access. They have the most access to yes. the man than anyone ever has. Yeah. So if anybody knows, it's them. And I could see like circumstance because like the big question is why do you even hire uh, who's the guy who plays Julian Bashir? Uh, Andrew Sittig. Yeah. Why do you hire a guy like that? who is well-known for genre work and for being good and professional if you're going to do this to him. Um, I just, I mean, because it does seem like this is a plot that could have been streamlined a lot, and I almost wonder, like, if this is a thing where George is like... It's Alex Siddig, by the way. Alex Siddig. Siddig, whatever. If he's like, you know, put a pin in it, and he was trying to drag his feet as long as possible to avoid committing to something, because, like, I mean... If Prince Doran doesn't die or this kind of Dornish plotline doesn't go similar, like, I, I guess I would be more outraged, but I don't sure. have the book. So I'm assuming that some of this stuff was just red herrings or red herrings that, uh, right. that you know, we talked about that, how I think George is trying to set this out. Like, if World War II, if you're in the middle of World War II, it's not immediately obvious what are the critical things <laughs> happening right now. Sure. 
Like you have other things on your mind. Sure, like there's this big <laughs> plot right now that Hitler's going to get blown up at a conference center. Uh-huh. That's huge, but it fails, so it becomes like a footnote in history. And like, a Tom Cruise movie. Yes, it, it, it <laughs> winds up into a Tom Cruise movie. Um, your Scientology money at work. But you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. It, I think with this, his Gardner storytelling type and the fact that he's mm-hmm. telling this sprawling political intrigue that realistically you would have a few dead ends that don't go anywhere. Now, is that great storytelling? Is that immersive stellar storytelling? I think reasonable people can disagree. Sure. And yeah. also you got to give people their origin, their initial emotional reactions to like, I thought this was going to happen. This is my favorite character. He's behaving in ways that I don't think is right. Uh huh. But as a, as a book reader, I found it kind of th- several scenes actually thrilling that we'll probably talk more about on the spoiler cast out Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a reminder, this is a spoiler free television or podcast show, uh, a podcast on the television show. Yep. So don't worry. Uh, the Friday cast is the one that you got to worry about. Um, so ge- general feelings aside, yeah. like of the, of the audience, how did you, how did this episode hit for you? I thought it was better even this, the second time. Okay. And I guess I didn't, the, a lot of the things that people are saying as plot holes, I yeah. didn't bother me. And that's the thing. Right. Like we've talked about this on a lot of other podcasts. There's this threshold of suspension of disbelief where it's naturally higher. If you're liking what you're seeing on the st- screen, it's naturally lower Certainly. when you're disliking and things that could be, you know, whether it's a nitpick or a ground, you know, a, a plot breaking hole is kind of where you are in that set and setting. Like, what's your yeah. mindset going in and and how are you viewing this stuff? Are you just taking it as it is? It's like, well, this is new information or do you have like built in bias and prejudices? I don't know. And, you know, I could see also that um, I feel like the other thing is this is a short episode. I mean, you had four, you had like four, it's what, 50 minutes with four minutes of previously ons. Right. It was a long previously And people on. have been waiting a year for more Game of Thrones, and this is essentially a setup for the next episode. Next episode right. comes out and it's, it's rocking, then maybe a lot of these, the, a lot of all this negativity goes away. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that by the, the time that this season gets, kind of finds its legs, people will start to to forget about these smaller things. I mean, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. But but also, like, the tone will have switched to, we're back on board with Game of Thrones. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the book readers are just going to be pissed until the book comes out. Um, if. You know, and, <laughs> and I, I lump book readers all together. I'm sorry for that. I'm generalizing here. Yeah, yeah. But the, the vast majority of the tone I saw was was negative. I, I didn't think this was an amazing episode. Uh-huh. You know, it's not the Battle of Blackwater. It's not anything like that. But... Uh, as far as like, I, I heard a lot of people saying um, Game of Thrones last season had a really kind of epic end mm-hmm. to the season. Um, mm-hmm. The season finale was bigger than it usually is, mm-hmm. and uh, this episode kind of feels like what a season finale would have been in previous seasons of Game of Thrones. Oh, you're right. Kind of setting up the next pieces of the puzzle, you're right. and moving us along to what stories the season premiere would have told. Yeah. But we're not there yet, so we have to do that a little bit. Well, and I feel like the Double Ds are trying to adapt to criticism because I think they've, you know, it's been a popular thing to say that instead of trying to get to everything in a single episode, you should isolate on a few characters. Hmm. And then I think they've tried to do that, especially last year where you'd have a couple where it's like, okay, now we're going to talk about this corner of the world. Next episode, we're going to talk about this corner. And and we're going to abandon Bran entirely. Um, 
and they got criticism for that too. So it's like if you want a show that like touches on everything, one the price to pay for that is if you're going to set up a lot of epic things, it's going to take a lot of incremental movements over a whole bunch of scenes. And I, I guess right. I'm looking at this as like, how is this setting up for next step next episode rather than I am not fulfilled by what's going on right now. Right. Right. But I mean, I'm I there just, too. I guess I'm shocked that book readers are as angry as they were when like something as awesome as Melisandre taking her necklace off and getting old happened. Yeah. Like that's, um, I think that's super cool. And that should, I, I'm surprised that it hasn't like really like had book readers discussing, that more than why didn't the dogs attack and how did the person possibly get on a ship and uh-huh and you know i'm using my oh i'm an idiot voice I, i'm not trying to say that that's just you know that's how i roll right. uh but yeah I, i'm gonna i don't know i'm gonna try to answer some of these object uh, objections okay uh yeah i i do not want this podcast to dwell on those because if you want that shit go to slash our game of thrones holy shit yes uh it's Full of that stuff. I saw a thread. I think it's my bricker because uh, you know you got this circle jerk and Reddit where it's like someone posts oh, this might be a controversial opinion, and then the first word is uh, the response post is exactly, <laughs> and then it's like I saw a chain that had like eight, eight exactlys in a row, <laughs> like they were just exactly okay. exactly. It's like it's it's like watching a snake eat its own tail. Wow. I mean, yeah, there's places to go to if if you really hate this episode and you want to wallow. And revel in the plot holes and the destruction of this series and how it's obviously going to be a failure. <laughs> sure. Places you can go for that. This okay. is going to be a little bit more upbeat. Now, I reserve my right to flip my shit later. All right. Uh, you know, like the table's still set. I could flip it at any time. I'm just uh-huh. saying this is not. You got all, all the nice china out. Sure. You got the crystal ware. Sure. Yeah. You got it all just set up. Yep. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm uh, not quite there yet. Okay. Well, let's get into the recap and see if we can get you there. Uh, we jump back in where we left off with John. <laughs> oh, Snow. Oh, wait. Before we do, I want to talk about ratings. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, Joe M. from Philly uh, sent us in some information about this. Uh, set records for the show. 10.7 million total viewers on Sunday alone. Jesus. 8 million watched the show live at 9 p.m. on Sunday. The other 2.7 million are combined total for two Sunday night encores and HBO Go and HBO Now streams. That's me. Well, it was kind of me. You, yeah. I had some trouble with it. But, well, here's the know. thing. Like, our server... We last week doubled our server capacity because right. we knew that the hordes were coming, and it still like when it came time to for fifty thousand people to jump on our feeds, it was like and it completely <laughs> melted. But HBO Go has that thing too. Like a lot of times, the first season, the episode or two, will have some streaming issues. Well, um, it wasn't even like oh, it's just overloaded or whatever. It told me I was in the wrong country to view this. Well, it said I, I wasn't other people... in the United States. And I was like, motherfucker, yes. I'm in the United States. Yes. My provider knows I am because guess what? I can't watch season two of Better Call Saul on Netflix. Yeah. So it's not my service But I think provider. that's a symptom because other people said it was saying that it was locked out because of a time zone. So I think that that's like wow. symptomatic Their of it just losing just its shit. shit. Right, yeah. right. Uh, like our server's uh, parlance was 504 gateway error. Right. Uh, <laughs> that's just the lies it tells it you. It just throws out any random yeah. error. You know it's what? Like, I don't even have the capacity to look up an error code at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll let your browser deal with that. But, right. um, I, you know, that's, that's a lot of people. Yes. That's a lot of people compared For a premium network. And, and, and that's not in, in, in including piracy. Um, I saw that Torrent Freak were saying there's over a million people downloaded season six premiere in the first 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and contrast that to season one 
uh, 2.2 million tuned in to the first episode of Game of Thrones. Whoa. Big so, growth over the five years. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's the thing. Like, when we get the live plus seven day, which is kind of like the thing for HBO, it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the season, unless it just completely craps to bed, that we're talking like Game of Thrones, or not Game of Thrones, we're talking Watching Dead numbers. Walking Dead numbers, yeah, even. Walking Dead numbers. <laughs> Watching Dead numbers are a lot more modest. Walking yeah. Dead numbers. And that, on a premium cable show, yeah. is insane. Right. Everybody's paying for the privilege here. HBO right? is shitting gold right now. Seems like it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, apologies if that affected you. But, uh, it, again, it's like we tried to plan for a lot of growth, and we, we still uh, didn't quite get it right. So, Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, real quickly, before we get into the recap, I just want to remind everybody about our club at club.baldmove.com. Uh, for a shockingly little, as, as, as little as a buck a month, you can get access to a bunch of special features, including ad-free feeds. Uh, we're going to be doing the live playthrough of the final chapter of the Telltale Game of Thrones uh, video game. Um, if you want to get in on that, you got to be a club member. We might have a couple other surprises coming down the pike. Uh, but you also could have been watching us record this podcast live and gotten it hours early. Um, lots of cool features, club.baldmove.com. Now we can talk about the show. Okay, we start off uh, right back with Jon Snow, where we left him in the snow. After a real doozy of a previously on, again, four minutes. Yeah, it was a long-ass one. Yeah, like I was like, that was the one thing that kind of got me excited, that they were going to really, you know, nail down a bunch of nails, because usually the longer the previously on, the more holy shit Uh is going to happen in this episode. Uh, So we, we hear ghost howling, which attracts the attention of some brothers, including Davos. They find Jon's body. They move it inside. This is essentially like everybody who wasn't participating in the killing. Yes. Right? Although it can't be because some of the brothers in the the meeting later, I'm not sure why everybody didn't hear this and run out. Maybe some were sleeping or lazy. What do you mean? Not everybody heard that. Uh, only the, the quote-unquote good guys. Only the guys who end up with Bra- with Davos in the, the chamber later. Well, I thought the first guys, couple guys that, that showed up were not the John Loyalist. It's just that once Ed the, the Ed guy shows up, uh, Dolores, Ed, Del- Dolores Ed? Apparently I'm pronouncing that wrong. I what a twist. No idea. What <laughs> a twist. I took my ruby necklace off and suddenly I can't we, pronounce anything. We need a previously on, previously on for Aaron's <laughs> All the butchery of, yeah. of names. <laughs> um, but Do- Dolores Ed, let's uh-huh. just go with Dolores. Uh, when he shows up, I think that's when Davos like snatched on and like, we need to get this guy and we need to get him in Lord Commander's quarters. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, they take the body, they move it inside. Then Melisandre comes inside later and sees the body and looks slightly disappointed. Uh, a couple <laughs> things I want to point out here. Did you happen to notice the pattern of blood in the snow? Or if there even was no, one. No, I mean it just looked like a blood splotch to me. Well, I when I the, when I first saw it, I'm like, this looks like some kind of Rorschach shit, or this there could be like a bird imagery in the middle of that. And the second time and subsequent watches, I actually paused and looked at it a lot. I don't see anything there. There, 
Uh, I mean, Davos looks kind of shocked, but I think what they're trying to suggest is the quantity of blood that Jon Snow has lost. Like Davos is like, oh, there's no, there's no way. Like yeah. it's like all of his blood is out on the ground in a perfect Jon Snow body outline. A blood angel. A blood angel, Snow. essentially. Yeah. Um, I don't think they intended to suggest that there was anything more to it. But and I didn't see. I saw some people wondering what I've made of that, but I didn't see anybody actually saying, oh, well, this is actually the sigil for House uh, foreshadowing, and their words are, uh, pay attention, and you might be spoiled. I, I, I don't know. Um. The other thing I, I wanted to talk about is, and this is, I think this is key for trying to figure out what's going on, the titular, uh, no pun intended, Red Woman. She always she always made a big thing of not being cold at Castle Black. Right. The Lord of the Light, the fire from within sustained her. She's wearing a heavy, heavy cloak coming into John's uh, uh, quarters here. Okay. Which I think is suggestive huh. of her powers becoming weak or her spirit becoming low because from her perspective, the Lord of the lights, you know, delivered a couple solid kicks right to the cooch Mm -hmm. lied to her. Maybe. Yeah. Fucked up the Stannis thing. Fucked up the Jon Snow thing. And I went for another reason, which we'll talk about later. I went to go look at a season four scene where, uh, and her are talking and she's taking a bath and, uh, they, they, she talked a lot about how lies sometimes lead people to the truth. And she was in, in huh, using it in okay. the way of like, oh, these stupid men, I throw some stuff in the fire, and they're like, ooh, ah, they're Lord of Light. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it's interesting that, you know, maybe your Lord, or whatever this this spiritual deity force of nature being is, maybe it is fucking with you the same way you fuck with other people. Right. So Some, some prophecies that she doesn't quite understand. And she's misinterpreting, because she that's the yeah. thing, like... You know, there's a couple questions. Is she, is she? Does she actually see genuine prophecies in these fires? Like, that's an open right. question. Mm-hmm. Or is she just a crazy person that thinks she sees? If she does see things, is her interpretation guaranteed to be correct? Sure. Um, so those are some, some things I was thinking about as I was watching this scene. And the fact that she saw him in the flames fighting at Winterfell seems to suggest that maybe she was hopeful that... The, that John would lead the the Black Brothers to I don't know, some kind of crusade to save Stannis, which I know Stan, you know Stannis okay. went to go right. ask for. So maybe yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's all interesting things she's saying here. Uh, next scene, Alistair Thorne calls a meeting to tell the Black Brothers that he killed Jon Snow, and he proclaims that he did it because John would have destroyed the Night's Watch, and his first loyalty is obviously to the Night's Watch. I continue to think this is pretty good. Yeah, I mean... As far as it goes, you know, like, I think of how offensive it would be if you spent a thousands of years keeping these people out. When they do get over, they go and murder farmers, and they rape, and they pillage, and they burn yeah. crops, and now you're giving them that land? Like, this is essentially right. why, like, Palestine is such a hot issue. So much shit has come to pass that, like, for one side to be like, you know what? Bygones yeah. is is a, extraordinarily tough for them to do. And I thought that... You know, I think Thorne is an asshole, but his speech was good, and it seemed like it did a lot to win over the majority of the Black Brothers. Yeah, his his justifications are understandable, both yeah. both to me as an audience member, and I think to the people in the the chamber there, yeah. his audience chamber. Um, I I understand. Look, uh, some some kid, some royalty punk kid comes in and Bastard takes royalty. over, right? Like not even real royalty, but he's been spoiled and pampered his whole life, yeah. like. He comes up to the wall and he takes your position or mm-hmm. what you what you would have had as your position mm-hmm. uh, had he not been there. And 
and you get the anger. You understand it. And then even, betrays even his commission. Right. And then in your eyes, yeah, yeah. Just totally betrays his vows, betrays everything. It's like multiple levers, levels of what the hell. Yeah. Professionally, personally. It's, it's so all... I get where he's coming from. I like. I don't like the decision. I think it's a shitty thing to do, but yeah, but it's understandable. I, framing it as like this is something that Jon Snow either forced us into a position of allowing the the Brotherhood to be destroyed, yep, by violation of our core mission, or disobeying the Lord Commander and be tra- and and being a traitor. It's like I in, in an impossible position. I love the Night's Watch, so I'm going to save the Night's Watch. Right. Again, self serving and all that, but I thought it. I thought it was pretty good because he he has a tough road to hoe here. Uh, you know, loyalty is the foundation of our order. We just right. all, all of us, uh, you know, mass, the, the first builder and the first steward and the first ranger all just murdered the mm-hmm. Lord Commander. Right. But don't, you guys don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and we're not going to do it to you. Yeah, Because sure. we're loyal. Right. What? Yeah, what? no. So he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth here, but I understand why. I think he's basically saying, like, if you guys want to come kill us, you better have a justification as good as mine. Okay. Like, what am I doing right. just betraying the Night's Watch? Other than, yes, of course, killing the Lord Commander. <laughs> but uh, setting that aside, no, there's it's... No, nothing in the vows about that, right? Nah, no, there's nothing no. about not killing the Lord Commander. Not specifically. <laughs> not, not to the letter. Sir Halster, the original rules lawyer. Yeah. There's no oath about not killing the Lord Commander. So the the brothers in in the room with John decide that they need to fight for John's vengeance here. Davos agrees, but he knows, look, there's no way we can win this. Even with uh, Direwolf, not going to happen. So he sends Ed off to find, quote-unquote, the other people who owe their lives to Jon Snow. Which There are others who owe their lives to, to this guy. And the obvious one is the Wildlings, which seems like everyone's. Seems like it. And, you know, I, the, the line that he had about if you were planning on seeing tomorrow, you picked the wrong room, I thought that was good. And I liked Ed's being just like, you know, I don't give a shit, like, John is my friend. I'm probably going to die. I'm going to take these. Ba- I'm going to die if I sit here in his room. I want to take as many of these bastards out as I can with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I like the the it shows. I don't think the great. I don't think the show has always done a great job of of building the care the the relationships between John and some of the other friends he had very closely, other than like Sam. Sam yeah. Um, but this does a lot to kind of just in a few lines of dialogue in this guy's performance to kind of sell that, that these people, like John was beloved by these men and they will die to protect, you know, not only his life, but essentially his, his memory and his honor. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest. I don't remember much of the early seasons, uh, between these guys and John Snow. There wasn't a lot. Right. There wasn't a ton of it. Um, but, but what there was, I don't remember, but I still, I, it didn't feel like a cheat or a shortcut or anything. It it felt to me like that was right. For some and now reason. that they killed so many of the others that you would recognize, uh, like Ed's, all the other guys who like the men in this room that they can trust. I don't know any of those guys. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the one Ed guy that I know because I've read the books, and he's like a funny wise ass character, and all these other randos. Yeah, but pretty sure one of them fucks potatoes. <laughs> uh, so moving on, Ramsey eulogizes over Miranda's body. Then he tells the servant to feed her meat to the dogs. Uh, it's interesting to me. This is essentially, in its in its tone and its promises, the same scene as Jamie and Cersei later sure. on. Except uh, the one of them's alive, yeah. Right, right. I, in, both in, of them are alive, rather. In the things that they proclaim to do, yes. right? I mean, Ramsey here is saying, I'm going to make everyone pay. Uh, I wish you were going to be here to see it. 
Jamie later on is saying, we're going to take back everything and more. Uh, you know, essentially, they're both going on revenge here. I, well, I mean, what, like... What parallels are we supposed to be drawing between these two guys? I, I, I don't, don't see that. it other than just literally the speech they give. Here's thematically. Every time someone swears some fancy vow to do something, like the very first one I can think of is Cal Drogo. Oh, God. Like when he gets up and like, I'm going to take my cow, sire, and I'm going to go across the poison sea, and I'm going to fuck Westeros. And the next scene is he's on a you know funeral pyre getting burnt up. Right. Like there's not a great track record for people swearing these love vengeance vows. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe that's what we're supposed to take away that these are you know words or wind. I could totally buy that because because the next scene is you know Roos like. Look, before you before you move on though, I want to ask you. Um, well, I, first... I want to talk thematically real okay. quick about that. Yeah, yeah. Because in that next scene, they they talk about like Roos saying, "Oh, you you've played your games. You played your game with with Sansa. You've played your games with these armies, and games aren't going to get the job done. Like that's not what we need here. And you're so busy, you're so focused on your sadism yes. that you're getting you're getting lost in that. Yeah. And do you think this is going to be Ramsay's downfall? Is just how sadistic he is? Yes. Okay. I, d- I mean, and again, this the question I, I, agree. I like I to so ask too. in the spoiler section is what is Martin playing at? Like, okay. if he's telling a traditional heroic tale, but with a lot darker, darker, more realism, then of course, if he's telling a, a bleaker and darker tale than I'm expecting him to, then I don't know, maybe the Boltons win and his uh, sadism isn't his downfall. Uh, but no, I, I do feel like that you can... You could probably shit on some of the people some of the time, but you can't all the people all the time. And the fact that he's had yeah. these big chips in his his pile uh, for this long. He's had the heir to the Iron Island, which I thought is interesting. They made a big deal of saying that. Um, and you've got the, the, the heir to Winterfell, for, um, you know, I guess, or the... I, I guess she's a totem to get the Northerners like, well, I guess there's a Stark in Winterfell. Yeah, it's not all bad. Yeah, it's it, it, it could be worse. Um, and you just fuck with them for no good reason. Yeah. Other than to satisfy your own base urges. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I like the fact that Roos kind of put him on notice. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you better get Theon back. You better get Sansa back. And Sansa better be pregnant because, well... You know, I got another heir coming down the line and being fortunate if something were to happen to you. <laughs> right. Uh, I thought that was that was played out pretty well. What else did you want to say about the Miranda scene? Uh, so first of all, the ma- the the maester that serves House Bolton, worst post in the Seven Kingdoms, right? Like, how bad do you have to piss off the Grand Maester that your that your assignment is? You know, hey, for the graduating class of the Citadel, uh, you 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 get sent to the Boltons. Like, that's got to mm-hmm. be the worst. Yeah. Uh, is that who that guy is? A maester yeah, you standing can see in the doorway? The, there's lots okay. of maesters I, that in the, you got to look for the chains, man. There's okay. A, San, there's a there's a maester running around looking like Obi Wan Kenobi down at Dorne. Um, that that if you blink you miss him. The second time is is Ramsey' decision to butcher the Kennelmaster's daughter. Um, is it because he? Is pragmatic. Winter's coming, and this is good meat. Is it? This like is this actually like a gesture that he thinks that she would acknowledge and respect? Is it like a okay? I've just I just opened up my heart. Now it's time to shut it up again. And you know what better way to right. sear what remains in my conscience than to yeah. go completely over the top and dismissive of her body? Sure. And and you know the maester's not going to go tell any tales of like oh I saw Ramsey 
basically crying <laughs> right. over a body. Right. Well, then, yeah, okay, he fed her to the dogs. But... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, thought... Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think he is pragmatic. I think he's a, a realist and practical in, in some ways when he's not clouded by sadism. Mm. Uh, so that's part of it. But Yeah, and Roos talking else. about the well-provisioned Lannister army. I know part of that was to set mm-hmm. the, is the contrast between what he did with the essentially butchering the Baratheon army. Yeah. But also I wonder if it's also to kind of set their position. Like we just took this castle over. It's half in ruin. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of stores. We don't have a lot of food. And it was... This thing he did with is it Miranda? Is that yeah. the Kittlemaster's daughter? Uh, mm-hmm. Was like the kind of show that Ramsey is aware of that. Yeah, could be. He don't want his dogs to starve, so sure. All right, he needs them to track down uh, Sansa. So we we kind of introduced this scene, but Roof hat a roof. Bruce half congratulates Ramsey on his victory over the the Baratheon Stannis, and also threatens to delegitimize is that a word uh him as a bolton for losing sansa and theon i don't think he's i think he's threatening to kill him like i don't think you can delegitimize a bastard i don't think there's a legal okay. precedent for that it's more like just you'll hey you know ramsey was walking on the parapets last night and right. he, he, he fell off and not into a snowdrift but, just... but only if it's a boy like if it's a girl he still well needs sure them. like that's exactly right that's the thing so if i'm ramsey i'm i'm eyeing that baby i'm going Okay, as soon as that thing pops out, I need to be there. And if I'm and Roos, I need, if I see a dick, it's coming off. A, the dick's coming yeah, off, sure. or B, it's the baby's dead. And if I'm Roos, I'm getting an iron crib that just has a whole a, fee, a feeding <laughs> right. tube where you could pour food into the kids, and like a, a, a elimination uh, tube where it comes out. And he's going to stay in there for eighteen years because, or until Ramsey's dead. Because let's be honest, like thirteen years. Yeah, that's true. Like when 12, he's a man, yeah. when he's a quote unquote right. man full grown. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting in this scene was he asks who landed the killing blow. Now, we talked about an instant castle. We think that this whole Stan- Stannis thing, but I noticed that the emphasis on the second time I watched it and like Ramsey was a little bit of like, oh, no, no one knows. Do you think Roos has seen the body? Do you think Ramsey's seen the body? No, I don't think so. Do you think, I mean, I don't understand why Stannis wouldn't show up with Brienne later on if uh-huh. she, he's still alive, but I feel like they're fucking with us a little bit. Like, deliberately <laughs> not showing the killing blow. I don't think Mentioning they are. it here, really? I, t- I just think that they assume, like I assume, that he's dead. Like, okay. And that the audience knows that. Cause, then cause why, if you listen then to... why, Roos, why have this conversation about what, who's the man that did the killing blow? And why have Roos look, or not, why have Ramsey look vaguely guilty? Well, I think it's a little funny because they're assuming, A, that it's a man, which is kind of hilarious to me when well, Brienne was actually the one to kill him. Yes, that actually was uh, funny, yeah. So, so they're like, oh, our armies must have killed him when, in fact, no, their army didn't even get Stannis. And he might, he probably Shit. might have gotten nah, away. Yeah, you I, know what? I think you're right. It works better as just a, a, a joke at the Bolton's expense that they can't conceive a woman being able to do this. Or that they didn't even get the guy. Like, Yeah. Although yeah. He, he was pretty, he was pretty bloodied. I don't know that he walks out of there if Brienne doesn't no, come no, no, up. No, no, but... but he was all kind of off by his lonesome. He was, yeah. Uh, out were it not for Brienne, maybe he could have staggered off and at least died in peace. I don't know. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you're. I think I think you're right. I think it's just a thematic thing of like them underestimating women in general. Right. And, and there's a lot now, of that stuff look, in here between Sansa and Brienne. They got real problems on their hands. It's the women that are going to bring them down. Right. Right, and I mean, Danny's been doing her thing forever. She's, you know, not in the greatest of positions at the She's moment. She's a little but... one step backwards. Right. Right now. Right. She needs yeah. a couple forward, but 
you know, she's still out there. Sure. Uh, exerting her authority, too. So, yeah, let's talk about that scene. Sansa and Theon are running through the woods. They cross a river to avoid the chasing hounds. The hounds find them anyway. Theon tries to hide Sansa, but the guards find her. Um, just in time, just in the nick of time, Brienne and Pod ride in to uh, save the day. And once the riffraff is, is disposed of, Brienne pledges her loyalties to Sansa, and Sansa finally accepts her. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, well, let's save it for the end because it's the end of the scene. But uh, what's with this little little huggy moment between Theon and Sansa in this tree? Are they like, okay, we're dead, uh, we're just gonna die here? Well, the I mean, there's. Mo- I think there's. I thought I was. I thought a lot of this scene was touching. Or is she like forgiving him? I or... think it's. Well, I mean, it's. I. I don't know. It's. It's too hasty to start talking about forgiveness and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I think that these two people have known nothing but brutality. Theon for God knows how long. Yeah, multiple uh, seasons. Not, not so Sansa for at same, least yeah. half a season. Again, what does that mean in real time? I don't know. But these people have been known nothing but brutality and oppression and de- degradation. Mm-hmm. And now they're alone, and they're you know the other thing is like these people have known each other forever, like they they grew up as kids together in Winterfell. I felt like it was just a genuine like you know I might not be able to fully trust or forgive you for very many reasons, but you help save me, and I'm freezing to death, and this might be my last moment. I thought it's a nice commentary on the human condition. Yeah, that that's the instinct to embrace one another rather than to you know indulge in a, some kind of petty jealousy okay well speaking of petty bullshit uh my biggest <laughs> question from the scene who let the dogs out who let the dogs out <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> i mean i can't believe how much shit was flipped over i, I mean you're right it is i guess but it's such it's if you can explain away something as easily as the dogs ran away in the middle of the fight as soon as with they're... with a dude like a yeah. dude bugged out took the dogs with him yeah, that, that too, or like that these dogs feel personally loyal to, I don't know, I mean, so, I, I, the, the, the people do have a point that these are vicious Ramsey dogs, and they're supposed sure. to, like, be used to tearing people apart, um, I don't know, maybe it was tricky to, because I know you can't hurt an animal, Mm-hmm. And working with animals is a bitch because that's something that uh, we, we when we talked to Gwendolyn Christie, she mentioned about how the just the bear, you know, working with the bear was a real right. bear is a nightmare <laughs> um, because they are treated better than actors. Like you know, there's you, uh-huh. you can't make them act, and it's an animal. So I wonder if it's like they had a scene where like maybe someone was supposed to kill a dog, and they just couldn't get it to work that day. I I don't know. Okay. There's but I I feel like there's so many practical and just story based solutions to the problem. Right. They were killed off scene. And I, I feel bad for you if that's what you get hung up on, because this scene is is better than that. And and also, that's the thing. Like, if that's what you're focusing on and not, like, the beautiful pledge, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the vows that, that Brienne and Sansa exchange and the nod that, you know, Pod's not a traditional knight, but, you know, he knows his heraldry <laughs> and he knows his vows, damn it. And the fact, what really got me is that Brienne... Which I don't even think she knows this. I'm not sure if this is what Jamie divulged this in in the TV show to her. But this blade is the other half of what, right? You know, Tywin melted down the Stark ancestral blade ice. Yeah, she's pledging half of Ned's sword in her service, and I thought that was really, uh, you know, an emotional moment for the show. Absolutely, and that, yeah. and that, and that's what's so cool about it is, is neither of the characters might even know. 
what the significance of that is. And I don't know why that's kind of dumb because if nobody, it's like if uh, a touching gesture falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, you know, but I, I got it. I, I got it. It hit me pretty hard. And it looked like me too. the way yeah. the lighting was and how like it kind of haloed Sansa. I, it reminded me of this like famous painting, the accolade where this this beautiful princess or queen is, is knighting someone. Um, just the lighting is just so almost otherworldly. It's hmm. a great looking yeah. scene. I loved the performances with Gwendolyn. Yeah, she's great in it. I mean, the like look on her face. Yeah, she's, she's like... It may be a little premature to put up the Mission Accomplished banner, True. but she has at least gotten into the service of one of the Starks. She has half fulfilled her promise to Catelyn. Yes. Uh, and and for a person who's that actually means something... Yes. Is, it's a is big amazing. deal for her. Yeah. And and that's what I felt in this scene. Not, not so much like, oh, she's now going to protect Sansa, and this is huge for Sansa, even though... It is. I mean, she needs someone in this moment. Yeah. But more than that, I think this is important for Brienne. Yeah. And it's nice to see Pod get his hands dirty a bit. Even Theon. <laughs> do, you, do you buy that Pod under the the direction of Brienne could actually kill a man at this point? Well, did he actually kill a man, and or didn't didn't like he Theon did. have to help? No, out? he he actually he, got one kill. He was fighting with that sordid horseman for a while, and then stabbed him while he was on his horse and fell on top of him. I would think that squiring, like going from squiring to from from Tyrion to one of the best pure combat knights in the Seven Kingdoms would do something for your game, especially when you t- you're talking about mooks. You're talking about dudes that were mooks. just. You think these guys are mooks? I he mean, sends mooks after Sansa. First of all, they're 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 crazy because they're actually looking forward to people being dismembered and and you know they're the kennel masters. So apparently they're like one of the ones that are super into people being torn apart by dogs. So and they're and they're uh-huh. after a crippled, unmanned person and a little girl. I don't think they're expecting any. So it's like there's the element of surprise and the fact that fact yeah. and you can all say, "Oh, it's a woman!" Just as she rides off and takes your head off. Like <laughs> right. I, it's like they're not. They're not taking it seriously until it's too late. Sure. Actually, I, I was kind that. of, yeah. I was kind of stunned that she had a, as big a problem as she did. Like she one on one, she beast moded the hound. Granted, uh-huh. a weakened hound, but still. And she felt. I mean, maybe that's just it's more exciting to see her uh, struggle a little bit, and like there's some genuine danger. But I could, I could see, I, I could go with a little bit of revenge fantasy where she just comes in and cuts him down. <laughs> okay. She did get kicked in the face right before it. Sure. So, like, I'm imagining a little ringing in the ears. Oh, yeah, no, no. And probably, like, you know, not on her A-game right and that, after that's that. the difference, I guess, between, you know, you want the revenge fantasy, but in real life, especially in this kind of battle, it's like any given Sunday situation. Yeah, I, and five on two is not, yes. not terrific odds. Yes, you know, especially when... Or three if you count Theon. That's good as well. It's like five on 1.75 because <laughs> yeah. Pod and Theon... Almost add up to a, a, a an able right. fighter. They're like a they add up to a Jamie, I think, at this point, a left handed Jamie. Left handed Jamie, yeah. sure. Uh, anything else? I, I do really like the moment where he tells her, uh, "Look, we're fucked here. I'm going to take the bullet. You run up to John to the wall because John's up there. He's night, the commander of the Night's Watch. Yeah, uh, that's he'll, the ob- he'll help you, and we know." He's not going to help her. I I was a little worried that she was going to run off and head that direction at this moment. Well, a lot of other people said had a problem with just the logistics of this. Like, oh, how convenient! Brienne runs right into Sansa as at this critical moment, and I'm like, I thought they did a lot of good storytelling to make it plausible that Brienne would be wandering in this patch of woods at this precise moment. Hmm. Okay. Like, I I didn't I, even think about it, but I, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if you I'm consider that a plot hole, like. 
She's literally outside Winterfell. She was at the scene of this battle. She just killed Stannis, if you believe that. She probably went back to observing. And you hear and these noisy-ass the dogs, yeah. and she's like, I wonder. Like, you know, I... Maybe. I, I think that's a little bit shakier than who let, who let really? the dogs out. But okay, well, yeah. fuck you. Uh. <laughs> I, my big beef is proximity and finding people in a world that's so vast. Like, but that's what I'm saying. I know they did all, a great job to shrink orbiting. it down at this point. Okay. Now, now that this... Go back to what you were saying before I derailed you a bit. The obvious play is to head up to Castle Black, though, right? Seems like it, yeah, even with Brienne. Because none of these people know that Jon Snow is, I mean, this is all How would they? super recent news. So, like, yeah. it feels like that's where they're headed next. They're going to head up north, and God knows what happens there. God, maybe they'll meet Davos with his mutton on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. doubt it, though. I did, I also, I, I like the sands of just kind of looking regal. After all the shit yeah. that she went through last last year, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she's coming into her own. Like we talked about, you know, with with her and Littlefinger, he was kind of trying to railroad her, and he did briefly. But I feel like she's starting to make her own tracks now. I, I need a great John Umber, the Queen in the North. I need I, I need to see that. Okay. Need to see that. <laughs> so we go back to King's Landing, and Cersei hears that a ship from Dorne's arriving. She goes down to the harbor to find Jamie on a boat. Transporting a coffin with their daughter inside. And later on, Cersei tells a truly endearing story about imagining her mother in the grave bloating and rotting. Uh, it's just a, a real heart, heart, uh, Welmer there. And how it also applies to Marcella. And she's mm-hmm. thinking that about her. And then she tells Jamie about this prophecy, which I don't think he knew about before. Probably not. I can't. That That's... The- Oh boy, um, I don't know how I feel about this characterization of Cersei because you're right; they humanize her. It's real interesting, but yeah. it's hard to believe. Like you know, the, the the defiant, proud, invincible Cersei that wouldn't tell her family about this horrifying prophecy and the witch doesn't seem like the same type of girl who would fret about her mother rotting in the grave. And mm. you know, it's like it's it's almost like. Each view of that Cersei holds together until you try to merge them together. Yeah, there's something about Cersei. So the other thing, uh, you know, at the end of this, just to finish up the scene, Jamie pledges we're going to take back everything we lost and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this scene, Cer- Cersei's saying, like, I don't know where Marcella came from. She's not anything like me. No meanness, no jealousy. It's remarkably self-aware for a woman who employs those things over and over and over again and lets them get the better of her. And I I would say that's one of the defining traits of book Cersei is the complete lack of self-awareness. Really? Which is why it's so okay. jarring to... Yeah, because in the I've book, never seen it until all throughout now, last season when she's like treating with the high sparrow and she's drinking from her wine and she's like, oh, I'm wielding the power of state. So like my own my own uh, father, Lord Father, couldn't do it better. Glug glug glug. <laughs> as she's handing out, I mean, she's <laughs> right. doing all this thing and it's like it's 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 a kind of a dark comedy that she's doing all these things that that's like you're as you're reading your book. You're like, holy shit, if Tyrion were here, his head would explode twice. Uh-huh. And she's just going full throttle for it, not even aware of the danger. And so seeing the hmm. self-inspect... I mean, I guess it's a better, more well-rounded character, but it really fucks with me when I got the book image of, you know, yeah, Cersei. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I don't have that perspective on Cersei, sure. um, but, but I always so kind of felt So you've probably it. got the more valuable perspective that you're coming at it just clean and this is working for you. I, well, I am, but it still kind of surprised me because it implies that she's making these jealous, mean decisions uh, with with at least knowing that she's doing these things yes. uh, because of those reasons. Like, 
Which makes it she's seem, too self-aware not to realize that these are bad decisions. Which makes it seem like this, her being mean and petty and jealous is like a front. Right, or... Like, that's, yeah, how, I, that's how she thinks she has she to act to people be to tough, perceive her. but she's really a lot more thoughtful and insightful and, you know... Or, I mean, it's entirely possible that she's unable to control those impulses, even though she recognizes they're there. Yeah, true And that. that's what's driving her. Yeah. Um, certainly, we all know people like that, so... I, I don't know. It, it was certainly another layer to Cersei that I was surprised to see. Uh, before we move on, yeah. uh, you know, we're doing this Telltale playthrough we did last season for, and, and <laughs> right. this. Uh, there was some word online I could not substantiate that the girl who came in to inform Cersei that the ship had come in was the same person who voiced Mira Forrester. And okay. she said, to my ear, it was very, that's the handmaiden main character uh, mm-hmm. in, in the show. Um it, it it to my ear it sounds kind of the same and I, I I know she was blurry and it kind of out of frame but it looked similar f- uh, physically too. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know if the, it'll come out like if you, IMDb will have that character listed. Um, but I thought that was worth mentioning if you're a fan of the game that there might be a little bit of a nod to the because because the game of course there nods, is crossover yeah, yeah but but you know there hasn't been a lot of it going the other way this might be a little bit of the double D's winking at us. Okay. Embracing their video game brethren. Uh, the ending of this scene has me somewhat excited. So not as excited as I would have been, you know, season one to see this. But uh, I-, I can't wait to see what angry Jamie is going to do. Um, how he's going to take the army. I, you know, I assume Tom is not going to get in his way here. Well, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, we, for as much setup as we got, there's still a lot of questions we don't have answers to as far as our Tom and, I imagine Tom and, and Cersei are still on the outs. You know, can Jamie, on, on, yeah. on, on what authority does Jamie march any armies from? Right, right. That's the question that I have. I, fe- I have a feeling he's going to get some armies. He's going to get something. Yeah. Uh, some way to strike back. And I'm excited to see that now. Like, this moment is exactly the moment when I wish he hadn't lost his hand because the fabled Jamie is no longer around. Sure. And I want to see the best swordsman in all of Westeros go to fucking town on, on fools. Yeah. And I can't. I'm never yeah. going to get to see that. And it's so sad to me. Yeah, I wonder if that's... As a fan of action movies. I wonder if that's part of his arc, though, um, to eventually kind of uh, maybe not be quite as good, but be good enough. Maybe it's... I, right, but I don't want to see a good enough fighter take down a bunch of fools. I want to see him massacre his way through a crowd of idiots. I, I just well, there's something noble. Like I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning it in this a moment of like self sacrifice. That like old Jamie would have prevailed. Um, this right. Jamie would have just gotten beat, but good enough Jamie is able to save whatever he's trying to save and maybe die in the it's, process. It's a different vibe. Yeah, no. But right. I kind of like, you know, it's like like the last stand of Barristan last season. Like, you know, would I have liked to see him mm-hmm. get out of that? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, on the other hand, uh, I felt like the way he went out was fairly heroic because he right. was dying protecting the people oh totally is his, you know and he was still pretty badass for an old guy right and i'm not saying i want to see the heroism out of jamie jamie i don't know that that's even there so much but it's uh, it's automatically more wanted... heroic when you die in the eff- in, in the effort right like that's the most hallowed hero you can be you're in valhalla and uh i i guess so um 
I just want to see a badass moment okay. of the baddest ass of the swordsman in Westeros sure. being that, and I'm never going to get it, okay. which makes me sad. Fair enough. Uh, so we go over to Marjorie, and uh, she's still in whatever place they're keeping her with the sparrows. Uh-huh. Uh, the nun continues to try to convince her to confess. The Great Sept of Baylor, I believe, is what the is that location. the place? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, she just wants to see her brother. Eventually, the High Septon comes in and tells Marjorie that you know he plays he plays good cop here. Uh, your husband probably misses you. I bet he does. Uh, I oh. bet he does. Can you imagine <laughs> oh, being gosh. a fourteen to fifteen year old boy and Marjorie Tyrell is in your bed blowing your mind and like the like the a night of that day. and she's t- she's arrested <sighs> and your goddamn mother's what a the, tease and your goddamn mother's the pl- the blame. <laughs> That's like the worst. Yeah, I don't envy him. Ah. Oh. Uh, and, and, you know, continues to stress, you need to confess. Uh, and, and there's, you know, a moment here where you get the feeling that you know what kind of happened with Lancel, mm. like where he's saying, Very you know, you've started down the path, but you still have miles to travel. Sure. And like, you know, you chip away at their Are you psyche you're perfect? bit by bit. Right. Yeah. Because of course, that's not a question that anyone can answer sure. yes to. I'd be like, I am pro- so, perfect. Prove it. Prove me wrong. Right. So then you start chipping away, right? Like, oh, oh, really? You you yeah. mixed up the salad fork and the regular well, fork. It's like, is she going to pull a full-on chunk from Goonies where she's just, like, confessing <laughs> to fake vomiting on the people from the balcony? And right. The time she cheated on her math. And... Right, and that's the first stepping stone down the sure. path to confessing the larger things. And sure. You get, you get a very clear picture of Lancel's predicament. I wonder where this is going, though. Because like, I don't know if they break her and her brother, and she yeah. confesses all these high crimes and treasons. Like, I, I don't know. Right, and I mean, does any of that come back on Cersei? I mean, I don't know how it could. It's not yeah. like she can confess to what Cersei's done, right? Right. Uh, that's the thing. Cersei might have fucked up because she didn't make a full confession. She did the mercy walk, but not like all of her crimes were not. Were, were not known so she because can re- she can't i mean she can't fully confess her crimes because that delegitimizes the the, the ruling family oh yeah but it is i think the thema- i think it's going to be thematically important that you've got this person who got off with a half confession versus this person who is being held for, for a full confession but if i recall cersei didn't get off right like she's still on the hook for a trial hmm isn't that where they left it? Like, we will let you stay in your castle, but we're going to make you do this shame walk, and you're going to come back for a trial. Okay, that could be that could be correct. I think that's where it was. Honestly, I've got I kind of I'm kind of sometimes my book and show things get crossed. Okay, <laughs> so all right, that's that's what I recall from. And last also, season. the other thing is like since I I didn't go back and reread Dance and Feast, like also like some of the like I got caught quote-unquote butchering an explanation to you but i didn't butcher it i i got confused and thought that something that happened in in the very tale of dance was actually a preview chapter for the winds of winter which is like 12 of those floating around too so i didn't butcher it i'm just like well that's a spoiler too far to not (laughs) to talk about something that you know is theory so like yeah it's it's um it's a it's a mess up here it's a mess of mispronunciations and (laughs) spider webs and that's what happens when you get a show that's not following the books and books that aren't out yet and yep. preview chapters of books that aren't out the yet. The guys reads hundreds and hundreds of messages a week of all kinds of uh, validity and it's it's uh, it's it's a fun experience though. Uh anything else about that scene or let's move on to the nah, sand snakes. We can go. Okay. The sand snakes murder Doran. 
for being too weak to strike back at the Lannisters. The bad pussy strikes again. <sighs> it does. And they also kill Tristane, which, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, I have a big question for you. I have a bunch of questions about this. Okay. But you go first. Can you tell me who takes over Dorne now that Doran and Tristan? That's a damn fine dead. question. No, I have not even gotten out to family trees and seen like okay. any of that stuff. <laughs> All right, I'm pretty goddamn sure a bastard daughter. You know, like I'm pretty sure a bastard right. daughter of a bastard daughter can't inherit. Yeah, and like the wife of like the the oldest prince, right? It's she's uh-huh. not. I don't think she's, she's not even eligible, the wife, but I she's just slant. She's right, the paramour, right. slant I forgot piece, about that. whatever you want to call it. So I, shit, I don't know who takes over Dorn. Dorn, sorry. It could be like this is a like in the same way that the the sparrows have kind of taken over King's Landing. This could be some kind of popular because that's how they. I think that's a lie, though. Uh, I don't. So here's the question. Uh, I you know I've never lived under the rule of a king or a queen. Oh okay. Uh, I know to ask her what are British fans what that's like right I was gonna say I know there are people in this world who who have and who have a, under a the culture. cruel heel of Elizabeth the <laughs> second right Probably, I shouldn't talk She's shit no on this. She, just, she just had her birthday last week because I shouldn't talk shit about her uh, but but there are people who have that ingrained in their culture right and yeah. they may have opinions on this mm-hmm. um, is there that much loyalty to the the royalty loyalty to the royalty that's my question uh, do they give a shit that their daughter is killed, um, or or not even their daughter is killed? Well, one of them. One of them is raped and killed. Um, the the daughter of, you know, a betrothed daughter of the Lannisters uh-huh. to their their prince is killed. Do the people care about that, or do the people care about what Doran thinks they care about, which is being happy and prosperous? So it's interesting you mentioned that because that's something I think about a lot too. Because like you know, one of my favorite book series is the Patrick O'Brien Aubrey Maturin series, and you know, obviously the king means a whole hell of a lot, especially to you know to people in the military. Like God save the king and all that in the king's name. That's like shit that actually mattered. And I'll say even in modern times, there's just a thread yeah. on Reddit where there's this Republican Party, a Republican movement, um, small R, like you know, that, that wants to abolish the monarchy in um in in the the UK yeah and they they took the opportunity of queen elizabeth sec, uh, uh the second's birthday to talk about how she should be the last queen like it should like uh charles shouldn't ascend and this should be and pe- i was shocked at the percentage of brits that were like fuck these guys fuck them <laughs> like I think that, and I, I saw a couple of people try to explain like that you know the royal it's like yeah they don't have any real power but there's but you know that is kind of the embodiment of what it's to be like that's kind of like it's you know symbol. the same way yeah. a patriotic american would feel about the flag being trampled into the mud right by, and then yeah. like the fact that you would tear down this institution with thousands of years of history behind it and sure. all this you know and you know the tourism and all that other stuff i so i feel like that you know this is a weak sauce watered down version of what you would feel about royalty when it actually mattered okay like when when like you like this is a secular watered down but like if you're believing that these people are handed their mandate down from god mm-hmm. and that they are like have this blood right to rule and like someone i i i could see how that would be something that would piss people off. On the other hand, um, they they're couching this as this, if it's, it's a popular outright uh, uprising, which kind of surprised yeah. me that everyone in Dorne is like, 
the gossip rags are like fucking Doran sitting there on his goddamn wheelchair with yeah. his prince and they're sleeping with the Lannisters and they're the ones that killed our princess and I, I, I and, and the fact that none of the house guards did anything no they're kinda all in shows on. that it has to be a popular uprising seems like it so yeah. I thought that was that was interesting uh I still think it's a bad decision. I think Doran is a much better ruler than someone who's out for vengeance. But that's the thing. Like, so people are mad that like, well, Doran gets gets killed with like very little fanfare. Although it I will sucks because s- I like that actor, but I do too. I'm but, not angry story wise. I mean, you know, this is Sean Bean all over again. And <laughs> right. also, like, I think this is part. Like, this could be part of something Martin's saying that like this popular uprising that's concerned with justice and vengeance. You want uh, maybe the theme is that you want this kind of slow, patient, staid, slow burn ruler. That that's like you know even I think yeah. it's funny that Ilaria is even saying like yeah my brother'd be a terrible ruler, uh, but I'm gonna kill you now. And this is exactly what he would have wanted. I, I'm like, a more impetuous, yeah. less you know graceful about expressing it version of my of, of your brother, my lover, and, and less badass flips. Let's be honest. Sure, come on, sure. Um, but I thought I, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm not outraged by the Dorn thing because like I didn't rage quit the show when Ned Stark died. Right. I like Doran. Doran is a little bit more interesting in the books, but I do believe that this is kind of how that story is going. And yeah, the I- Do- also Doran's not that good in the books. There I said it. <laughs> okay. Okay? There's a lot of silly oh, man. shit. The feedback, my like, god. Like do you want Dark Star? You want you want fucking Dark Star in 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 your Game of Thrones television series? Is that what you want? Like no. So yeah, I'm blowing your mind, but I'm I'm talking to the book readers here. Okay. Um, I, I I I do I don't have a problem with it storytelling wise. Uh, I think it's a terrible decision for Dorne, the nation of Dorne. Sure, uh, and I and also and, like I think that's part of the theme too. You go from Oberyn saying we don't kill little girls in Dorne to. You know, hey, we're kinslaying, we're reverse violating guest right, YOLO. I mean, like, that right. can't be good, right? No, no, it's, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's also bad for the Lannisters. I mean, obviously, it's going gonna, it, it's gonna to come down on them. Mm. Uh, it, this is a real bad thing for all of Westeros, in my opinion. Like, yeah. the most level-headed people are no longer around. Tyrion's fucking And one of the last unspoiled, full-strength kingdoms aside from right. the veil that has not is been... now going to get mixed up with fucking king's landing i mean the... which doesn't matter and, and it's you're... going to distract them from the boltons which are sure. re- righteous shits i mean you don't want these guys That's coming the... in and mopping up the battle that they thought they were going to have yeah i mean it's going to be what Littlefinger said except it's going to happen at king's landing yes and it's going to happen with the Boltons sweeping in and taking over could be i mean that's the thing it's Bruce bad Bolton's worried scene. about a fully provisioned lannister army marching north when it seems like jamie's going to be all pissed off and marching himself right and Roos is going to be right. the mr burns of westeros as he always is <laughs> excellent ah <laughs> uh, okay yeah so ba- holy bad shit news is going to be a long podcast for everyone yeah, it is. Uh, Tyrion, Tyrion and Varys are walking through the city and arguing about what needs to be done. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't we skip the whole scene with Tristan on the ship? I mean, I mentioned it if you want to Oh, well, that's the it. other giant plot hole that people had a problem with. Right, I don't, I don't care. It's not, that, it's not a huge plot hole. I mean, people essentially are saying these people were on the dock... And they sailed off. There's no possible way they could have ever gotten ahead or the passage of time could explain. Like, I'm just telling you. Right. This timeline is not one Jamie takes here. off on a merchant ship. Well, they get on a cutter and they outsail him. Isn't that a thing with the Dorna ships? Aren't they fast? Is, don't, don't they make a thing of that, so. that sometimes? I think that's the Iron Islanders that have the, is it? Okay. the, the seafaring ships. But, no, I mean, like, that's that. Like, in, going back to my Patrick O'Brien, like, 
they could board like a very small fast cutter and make twice the 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 sea miles that this merchant ship is making right and and there's no telling when this happens like yeah he's just sitting out on jamie's boat presumably to be hidden away right that's the thing i feel like From the small Cersei. council's like we don't know what to do with this guy yet he's a valuable piece we're not going to be like uh the boltons so we're we're confining him to the ship yep and, and, and tristan loves marcella i mean he's painting her rock eyes right and you know because obviously he thinks he can do the better he's done the most recent staring into them so he can do it upright now that pins down the timing a little bit it says he hasn't that's been true. there for weeks that's probably true. yeah you're uh, right you're right so you know unless you know he's been painting these things for weeks and yeah. the ones that they used have been long done but it's, yeah. it seems like he this this is within a couple of days but yeah i mean I, arriving. I, I, I don't want the show to you know make sure that we saw that the sand snakes were sent on this mission and that she, they were in the fastest ship in dorn like i i don't need those scenes so to me it's not a plot hole because there's right. many conceivable possibilities available in this world that would explain how they got infiltrated the ship and killed him now is yeah. it you know that's the other thing it's like oh well, where are the lannister guards do you really think in this universe any any number of lannister guards could protect tristan from the sand snakes of course not no fucking way yeah, I don't buy it. Um, the the you know the the show itself though I, I'll play the devil's advocate here a little bit does kind of encourage us to say okay where is everyone that's true what is the timing of this how are things going to play sure. out it does encourage us to do that so when they take shortcuts like this I can see why people might feel a little and, a little and I think the scene, and, and to be fair I think the scene is a bit confusing they frame the shot that it's the ship and it's in the middle of the harbor and then Tristan's there and then the sand snakes like. Right, maybe it's a bad idea to have him there, but then again, if the double D's are like, well, if we put him in the dungeons, then you got to explain how the sand snakes got down. So, again, I, I, I I'm not that bothered by it. I'm more bothered I'm by the sand snakes continuing being lame. Yeah, like the whole like, oh, we're competitive, and oh, you killed the guy, then oh, you're a greedy bitch. Like that stuff's still not landing for me. Yeah, me either. So let's move over to Tyrion and Varys. They're walking through the through Marine and they're arguing about what needs to be done here. They stop to give money to a poor woman with a baby. They they see some graffiti and they see a man inciting a civil war. Essentially, uh, eventually they see people running and follow the source back to the docks where they find all of the boats on fire. <laughs> they're not going anywhere. Uh, and a thousand show watchers cried out as Tyrion said, "Well, we won't be sailing the Westeros anytime soon." <laughs> right, but he doesn't like- need a boat. He's got a dragon. He's got dragons. Don't worry. He's going to Westeros <laughs> I don't pretty know the three soon. Three adolescent dragons. Three episode countdown. Okay. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> All right. Um. I. Yeah. Uh, I. I mean. I, I did get a lot of feedback. I'm gonna save some of this discussion for feedback section. But there are people that are really looking at their watch and tapping their feet on this. Like for fucking real. They're setting. You had a hundred ships, perfect to take you across to Westeros, and now right. they're burnt. Yeah. It's going to take a while to rebuild those or find a new set. I thought it was pretty funny that Tyrion like, tries to win hearts and minds and he can't speak Valerian worth a damn, so he's at, yeah. she thinks he's wanting to eat her baby. And, <laughs> right. And, pretty good. Pretty and I don't good know why this, this stuff, scene. like, this is this shit's silly and, like, stuff that the Dothraki got up to later. Yeah. I don't know why I I accept to varying degrees of success that and, like, the over-the-top shit the Sand Snakes do uh, pisses me off, except yeah. for I think that these these actors just have better chemistry certainly it could come down yeah. to just better chemistry and better line delivery yeah yeah so um but, but there no. seems to be a civil war brewing in this city i mean even more than there was when 
Daenerys was in town. And also, it wasn't just anybody inciting the people to riot. Uh, it was a red priest. Was it? Okay. Yeah, he was mentioned in Lord of the Light, and he's that. wearing red robes. I thought that was... I right. don't know why, but I think it's significant that uh, okay. there's this... Uh, it's also it's like... It kind of tells you that the, the, the whole red religion is not a top-down organization. Mm-hmm. Because you got all these different priests that completely cross purposes from one another. Yeah. Which is an interesting look at a medieval religion. Right. Um But, uh, yeah, there's also the scene of some some mysterious guy watching them. I don't know what I suppose. I, I mean, very yeah. clearly an intelligent person is watching them. I don't know if it's to show that Varys is boasting of his birds and are showing that whoever this faction of the Harpies is has their own birds that Varys doesn't even know about. Right. Um, I, I'm not sure what we're supposed to... We're supposed to notice it, but yeah. I'm not sure why we're supposed to notice it yet. Uh, I think it, it gives a good sense of foreboding that maybe they're they're being watched. Uh, they're being... Uh, they're, the, the, what are they? The Sons of the Harpy? Yeah. Are calculating how they can get rid of these fools. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so Jorah and Dario search for Danny. They roam the countryside, eventually finding a burnt goat burnt ram's head mm-hmm. uh and a ring a couple of rings a ring around a ring and decide that the dothraki have her yeah i you we might have a dif- difference of opinion here because i thought it was actually fairly clever because you know you and i are both like oh for fuck's sake i don't care if you're the best tracker in the world you're not going to be able to find this ring in the middle of this vast grass pasture but then when you see it and you can see like these ten thousand horses riding in right. a ring. There's that sp- patch of unspoiled grass in the middle that Jorah investigated. And I'm like, oh, okay, this no, is actually way sense. better than I thought was going to happen. Sure, that's fine. Like having the ring around the ring there is is cool, uh, and it makes a lot of sense given what we saw last season. Mm-hmm. I just like, is there a saying? Is there a literal saying in the world of Westeros at like straight as the dragon flies? Because like. <laughs> Do dragons not turn in midair? Do dragons not get attracted by, well, oh, shiny, and I mean, go that leave, way? They leave burnt patches of grass. They leave dismembered goats. They, I mean, dragon but shit, right? F- like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, every every mile or so on this big grassy sea, you're going to see, like, a hefty glad bag laying on the ground and, like, oh, it's dragon spore. Right. Like, okay. I mean, I, I, I didn't consider I know that. people that can track a deer through a woods. Tracking a dragon across a plane has got to be easier than that. Oh, They're they screaming all the time. You're right. I didn't calculate for dragon shit. Nobody thinks about dragon shit. It's, that's, yeah. You no think about dragon's it. fire. Like, Per, like, statistically speaking, dragon shit causes more damage than dragon fire. So far. It's, yeah, like, it's a known fact in like Westeros. Any, anytime you see a shadow of a dragon uh, flying over a bunch of amazed people <laughs> looking up with their mouths open, you just, like, cringe. They're horrified That's... by what could be dropping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, got, like, I, I, I got shit on by a pelican once in Seattle. <laughs> you scale that fucker up a hundred times, it's lethal damage, man. I felt like I got right. hit by an egg. Like, I honestly thought someone threw an egg at me, and then I'm like, what? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> fuck you, Pelic! Fuck all the Pelicans! Wow. Anyway. Uh, I thought there was some clunky dialogue in this. When Jorah and Dario are talking, and they say, oh, oh, if you grow old. And then he's like, I hope I grow old. I'd like to see the world when Danny conquers it. Like, Really? I thought that the, was pretty deli- good. I thought the dialogue was clunky there. I, I guess I was expecting a, big, a bigger shit show. I was expecting this to be really, really dumb, and the fact that it's kind of... that. 
Dario is a little bit, like I mentioned, the instant cast, a little deferential to Jorah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a rope of him. But I also and, know that I noticed that Jorah doesn't even look at Dario during yes. this scene. Like, Dario's looking directly over at him as he says, like, oh, it must be, it must feel pretty shitty to have sure. this woman you love and can't get to her. And yeah, that's just, Jorah just that. doesn't even look at him. Yeah, yeah. And, he, like, doesn't I, want to see what's going on there. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it must, it must, this has got to be hell for Jorah. Yeah. Because he's with this man who's having this relationship with this woman that he wants and he's a scoundrel and he's not good enough for her and all the other nice guy bullshit he's probably saying but yeah there you go all right let's go over to the dothraki raiders with danny they're making some crude small talk about her as they march her through the desert whipping her in the process uh, once they get back to camp, they take her to the cow. The cow. Before you, we move on, do you think yeah. there's intentional symmetry between them pondering her white pussy hair and the Melisandre reveal at the end? <laughs> is that foreshadowing? I don't. Sure. Yes. Absolutely, it is. Uh, good catch. <laughs> so uh, they take her back to the cow there in the camp, and there are a couple of jokes, a couple of broad comedic jokes here. That she, uh, before she reveals that she's the widow of Cal Drogo, which causes this cow to proclaim, no one's going to touch you and we're taking you to Cal Widow storage. I mean, so we've seen Vase, Vase, Vaz, Dothrak. Um, that's the place where Danny ate the horse heart in season one. Okay. Where she was taken and the old women prophesied about her. Uh, that's apparently when uh, huh. a cow dies, he leaves a widow. They all, that's a, it's a ritual thing that they take all these old women. And they make them. It's not even a real like, capital city. It's where they, uh, they they mention they take the gods and things from other conquered people, and they kind of hoard it there. It's like look at all those people we fucked. Jesus. Um, so she's literally back to where she started. Kind yeah, pretty much. Oh my god. <laughs> but there's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that so sucks. I got some email about from people that I'm going to get to and, and broader about how they're mad that Danny's back and oh god Danny's being she's good she's under the threat of rape again and and all these bad things and she's been de- depowered I think the big difference is she speaks Dothraki fluently and that mm-hmm. automatically makes her seem a bit more cunning because right. these guys don't know that she's overhearing what they're saying and she's uh, kind of like looking around like she's trying to pin her exact location I felt like there's a lot of things like sh- the difference between the 18-year-old, if I'm being charity, if I'm being charitable, uh, Danny being drug off by Cal Drogo and this version of her, I thought the intelligence, the experience, the confidence, the worldliness uh, mm-hmm. is where I thought you could see a lot more of her power and agency. Just the fact that she knows more than the people that are dragging her off in the situation, I thought made me feel like she's going to be okay. That she's going to be able to navigate mm-hmm. these things and that... Um, you know, maybe, and that's the other thing. Like, maybe she even expected this. Like, being, do you believe that these widows are going to be able to hold Danny there if she wants to go? Like, her ending up in this. I don't know. Uh, and also, there's this weird prophecy about the stallion that mounts the world that they talked about in the first season that looked like it petered out. But I wonder if she's going to, like, the if I recall correctly, these widow, these these widowed former Khaleesi's have a great deal of respect amongst the people. Like, that's kind of like their, you know, like where a lot of their knowledge and cultural heritage is at. So okay. if Danny could, like, sway this, 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 you know, on paper they have no power, but they have a lot of esteem and privilege. If she could sway mm-hmm. them to some, like, you know, the fact that, hey, I'm actually the fulfillment of your prophecies and I have these dread, these are the children that you were seeing. 
I wonder if that's going to be significant. That that's going to what's going to swing the cat the the uh, Dothraki back into her favor. It certainly could. It's a better outcome than. Jorah and Dario ride in and save her, right? Which, that's the thing. If that's what I think is correct, then... I mean, I guess the less interesting version of that is they just have it a... They assault the City of Widows and, right. yeah. and rescue her. It's like a Monty Python skit where they're slashing sure. people running up stairways. Yeah, and, yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. But uh, I think that's a better scene for Danny mm-hmm. than her being rescued by these dudes. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. I'm sure of it. So we go over to Arya, who's begging in Bravos, or yeah, Bravos. That's the name of it. Uh, the girl from the Hall of Faces, whose name I don't fucking know. Uh, let's agree to call her the Waif. The Waif, okay. Or Stick, if you want to call her Stick. stick. I like Stick. Uh, <laughs> she she approaches and hands Arya a stick and begins beating her mercilessly. Uh-huh. And once the beating is over, it takes several minutes. She says, "I'll be back tomorrow," and leaves. Mm. So you, you get an idea of what is in store for Arya here. But also Arya, I thought, because uh, I, I, I didn't notice this in the first view, um, but I always, on subsequent viewings, turn on closed captioning. And they were showing her listening to people, what they were saying. Like, she's absorbing, right. and you could... Oh, you know, yeah. There's nothing... I, this is uh, not... So, so... This is a mission they're sending her on now. Absolutely. She is, she is still in training, right? Yeah. Like, they said, look, this is your second strike. Yeah. You don't get another one. Yeah. Uh... But but she's not out. Like, she's not begging on the streets because she's blind and doesn't have anywhere to go. And now she's no longer distracted. I think we're going to see a progression of her. Like, now it's all a jumble of voices and she can't focus. But yeah. after she gets used to, you know, developing their, her hearing, I bet in subsequent episodes we'll actually see her learn interesting and useful info. Yeah, and it's, she's it's learning not, what it is to be no one, to not to not even be noticed, yeah. right? I it, mean, it, she's becoming a ghost. There's going to be this progression of both her prowess uh, at fighting blind yep. and yep. also the fact that she's now open so much more open to the world uh right. in, in in this particular you know sense of hers i think that's kind of cool and interesting and also that final shot of her like on her hands and knees bloodied with the titan of bravos over her shoulder yeah. was so rad and i it was i almost wonder if they actually did a mock-up of that statue and put it like it's not obvious as big but it's like you know it's 40 foot tall and it's actually only 50 feet away because that thing looked i get it's blurry uh-huh. And I guess it wouldn't be that hard to do a blurry CG, CGI. Sure. Yeah. But, man, that thing looked real. Hmm. Like, that whole, like, the fact that they use these on-set locations and stuff just makes the show feel so fucking real in a way that, like, The Walking Dead rarely does. Like, so many of their locations right. are contrived, and they're they're taking over whole cities and all across the world to get this yeah. stuff off. Like, the money they spend, you can see every penny of it on screen. For sure. Unless it's Danny riding a dragon, and then that shit's rubber <laughs> and hokey and bullshit, but... Yep. They nailed the Titan of Bravos. Anything else about this, or should we move Let's on? Let's move on. Okay. Alistair knocks on Davos' door and promises to grant amnesty to all the brothers in the room who put down their arms by nightfall. Nobody believes him. Not a believe single him? one. No, fuck no. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Doesn't <laughs> seem like the kind of guy that would forgive. No. Although... Uh, oh, we're both knights, and yeah. That's I, a Jon Snow move, not a... A thorn move. Jon Snow would forgive right. the people who... And that's the thing. They're not even traitors. They're loyalists. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. You know? But not Alistair. Uh, so Davos suggests that maybe the Red Woman might be able to help him out. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the Red Woman. She takes off all her clothes. We see the, the beautiful Melisandre we're familiar with. She takes off the necklace and turns into a hideous old skin bag. 
Well, she turns into an old woman. I don't know. If the oldest be. of women. I mean, it's not just old. Yeah, woman well, that's where we're here. all headed. If we're lucky. If we're lucky. That's yeah. The this thing. is what Dario's gonna look like. Everybody, if he like, lives. oh, this old woman. Though you're all gonna be looking like your balls are gonna be hitting the the the, the toilet water when you go take a shit. <laughs> your okay. boobs are gonna sag down to your knees. This is where we're all headed before the grave. If we're lucky. If we're lucky, we live a long time. You're right. If I live to 110. I'll look exactly. I'll have the same tits and everything. <laughs> you probably will. I will. Uh, so, a lot of questions about this scene. Although I've seen you with your shirt off, your nipples aren't nearly as high up on your chest as hers are. No, those things no. Are like, well, those, I, I, I've always thought that most of the bodies in this show, I know this is your appearance, are enhanced. No, no. I've always thought that they've they've taken care to have like mostly natural bodies, but like, well, most no... of the women in this show are like twenty, so. Well, even even still, like, can you not tell the difference between bolted on pair of titties and natural? I'm saying it's a little more obvious when okay. you're. I feel like that she's forties. That's the thing that she's she's the definitely an enhanced specimen. I would say. I think so. If not, hats off. I mean, Hodor got to wear like, a prosthetic cock that makes him look like a giant. That's true. So it's like you know, it's only fair. You get you got hey, enhancements for everyone. <laughs> So do we want to talk about blah, do we want to talk about this necklace because it's a thing that everyone's talking about? I mean, it, it flashed red. It's like uh... it flashed red, and notably when she took it off, she turns into uh, the older version of Melisandre, the less attractive version. Now we've seen her with her necklace off before. Yeah, and right in that scene you mentioned and... very early on in the podcast. Yes, where she's taking a bath in season four. Yes. Does not have the necklace on, but still looks like hot Melisandre. Uh-huh. So why the change this time? So, number one, it could just be a continuity error. Okay. I mean, that's just... She forgot to put the... The actress didn't put the necklace no, on in the bath. No, I'm not saying that. The double Ds weren't even thinking of that. Uh, the fact that, that right. Melisandre's got this thing going on and George, like, dropped a note to him. That's a possibility. Um, from the interviews I've seen with him, it doesn't appear that that's the possibility. Um, the other thing is, I think... So, it's interesting because that happened in season four and people wrote in on the spoiler cast and I kind of poo-pooed it. Like, they're like, oh, maybe Celise got to see the true... Because it kind of looked like she was shocked or whatever. And I still, to mm. this day, think that the her the faces she was making was because she was trying to pussyfoot around to ask him the question of whether you fucked my husband or whether <laughs> okay. you had to use a potion on him. And she was uncomfortable with the conversation. Right. Um... But now I feel like ooh, maybe there, there's two possibilities. Number one, the whole conversation was about Celise didn't need the tricks and the glamour to see the quote unquote truth. Mm-hmm. And Melisandre spouting all this about this is all just flesh. It's not the real thing. It could be if we're looking back in hindsight that, yes, Celise did see that she used this old crone. But it didn't matter because she saw the, the true prophet of the Lord of the Light and she didn't need the glamour to accept it. Um, but hmm. we, with our, you know, looking through the cameras, I guess, did see the, the fiction. I feel secondly, slightly cheated by that. Secondly, if you real carefully, as they show, or real quickly, as they show the scene, and this scene is great because I love the old-timey brass mirror and how kind of creepy that was when mm-hmm. you became aware that it's this old woman and, and yeah. it's just kind of like sin tingles up my spine. But they, they paint over a bunch of vials that look like they were like in various stages of empty 
and before she laid down the ruby. And in the previous scene with Celise, she actually had Celise fetch her one of her vials after she explained that all these things are magical and they glamour. And and she she put the potion into her bath and then like had a physical reaction, like oh, like power entering huh. her. It could be okay. that it's the potion doing it. Yeah, and maybe that the I mean there, I could spin. How much bullshit do you want me to spin here, Jim? Right, all of it. No, like I, it could be that 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 crystal's an emergency backup, and she's running out. It could be that she's saving up all of her Lord of the Light juice to do something crazy with Jon Snow. Right. It could be that this is just this is this a woman's make bedtime routine. Right. Yeah. I, I every you know my girlfriend takes her makeup off at night, and <laughs> sure. she doesn't look like she's uh, four hundred years old, but you know. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the thing that women do. Like, why do you want to sleep with all this shit on you and go to bed as hot Melisandre? Uh, of course, and, and and most I think the most important thing here to see is uh, the flash of the necklace, right? I mean, they clearly want us to notice it. Mm-hmm. They want us to know that this necklace is has something to do with Melisandre and her powers. And and uh, I don't know what. I don't think anybody yep. knows what. Yeah, exactly. that's an accurate statement. Uh, so. I'm just looking forward to seeing more of it, seeing what happens there. Yeah. Um, I also think it just shows, again, the theme of her just being beat down. Mm-hmm. And if you recall, in our conversation with Thoris of Mir, he said that like it was at the point where I was at my lowest of the faith and I didn't even believe in the Red God yeah. that I accidentally resurrected my best friend. Right. Or not my best friend, but whoever, you know, my, my comrade in arms. I wonder if they're setting up a parallel for that, too. Could be. I mean, there's lots of possibilities and theories here. Yeah. Pick which one, and we'll see who's right. Um, right. But yeah, no, it's... Uh, that is super important, though, to realize how how disenfranchised, how uh, disheartened Melisandre feels at this moment. Pretty low. Yeah. Also, so she's going to sleep. Apparently, I guess it's getting to be nighttime, that implies. And Sir Alistair said that uh, we're beating down the door before it's dark. Yeah. Is there some kind of ticking time bomb clock situation here? Like, if she's going to do something with Jon Snow, is Alistair the kind of guy that's going to be like, yeah, make way for the Red Lady? He seemed kind of dismissive of her. Like, you can take her with or you can leave her here. I don't know what they would do with her if they did leave her here. Here's a question for you. Let's say Melisandre is gassing up to to take a run at resurrecting Jon Snow. Okay? Mm -hmm. She's going to bring back Jon Snow from, from death. How does that change the equation? They're still locked in this room. They're still outnumbered. Alistair Thorne probably will kill Jon Snow a second time, I imagine. Will it change the other brothers' minds? Will they not fight against a Jon Snow risen from the grave? I mean, that's grave? such a... These people have not dealt with any... I mean, they've dealt with the... I guess the other thing is they're prejudiced against... Things come back from the from the dead. Right. They seem like they're prejudiced against. Uh-huh. So, like, I can see it going any way. Like, and that's the other thing's like... Um, at what point do we say Jon Snow's just dead? Like five episodes in the season? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I, it, well, it depends on how many more times we see scenes at Castle Black, but yeah. uh, I think the more we see at Castle Black and the less we see Jon Snow coming back from the dead, we yeah. can start to deduce maybe he's gone. That's the other thing. I guess I was pleased because in my heart of hearts, I was thinking, okay, Aaron, brace yourself for Jon Snow just coming back to life in like the first 15 minutes of the show, which I thought would have been dumb. Yeah. I thought that had been like Walking Dead levels of bullshit plot. You know, I was actually relieved to see that they're giving this time to to fester and build and us to wonder really what the hell's going on. Right. So 
you know, I guess that's another perspective I came from is I was expecting things to be a lot crazier and, and dumber. And I was pleasantly surprised that everything held together. And I thought, again, great episode to set up what's sure to be a barn burner of a next episode. Right. And it, it hand handily explains why, you know, John's body wouldn't be burned. Like all of this stuff, they just kind got to of. it before. I get there's some feedback. on. I mean, that I don't know why they the question him is, out there. That's the question. But I think there's some easy that you could you can hand wave away, but they didn't. You know, right. Anytime I'm getting to the point where I'm saying the show's, ha- I'm I'm mentally hand waving away three or four objections. I got to give credit to the other side. It's like, yeah, that is, they some of that stuff needs to be addressed in show. Not all sure. of it, but sure. yeah, this is the fourth time I think I've said, well, you can easily, but yeah, well, it's the fourth up. time it's not as easy, right? Um, okay. but I don't know. We'll talk about some more of that in the feedback. Today's sponsor for our podcast is Audible, and they are offering our listeners a free 30-day trial membership. All you got to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove and browse over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove and get started today. And I, I, I'm supposed to, at this point in the copy, I'm supposed to make a pick, a staff selection, if you will. Mm, pulling back the kimono a bit, yeah? We have copy, we have... Gee whiz, Jim, what am I going to recommend? Uh, all the other, all the Game of Thrones books that have been released in the past? I don't know. Yeah, how about the complete collected works <laughs> of George R.R. R. Martin? Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, this is, this is, I've never been an audiobook fan. Okay. But this is why Audible changed its mind, because you know what I am a fan of? I'm a fan of Kindle. And Kindle readers, right? And by the way, you got a tablet, you got a smartphone, you got a Kindle reader. Um, I love the fact that I can read at night. Is my habit before I go to bed. I wake up in the morning, I take my son to school, or I, I'm, I'm commuting here and there. Uh, I can hit my audio uh, Audible player, and through Amazon's WhisperSync technology, the two are instantly synced together. So this the mm-hmm. exact moment where I stopped reading the night before, the uh, the narrator starts reading, and then when I get home. The book synchronizes and it's all it's all behind the scenes. You don't have to worry about it, and it's awesome. Like I've been using it. Um, I'm working my way through the Harry Potter series with my son. Mm-hmm. It's great. I read it to him before we go to bed at night, and then we have to take a long trip to Indiana. We can listen to that all the way over there, and then when it's time to read to him when we get to his aunt's place, it's uh, ready to go. It is amazing. And the other cool thing that they've added, um, this might be might be something they've had a long time, but it's it's in the talking points now, is their great listen guarantee. Hmm. Uh, How's that? If you decide you don't like the book that you choose, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for any title, anytime, no questions asked. It's, it sounds pretty painful. I've never had to because like I've had so many books that I've wanted to and I, I knew they mm-hmm. were great and going to be great. But no, I think it's it's an awesome feature. Uh, they got a lot of great books. Again, over 180,000 titles. Surely there's something you'd like. It's been my habit to play a snippet from the books, but I was at a loss this week because there's a couple things that I kind of want to play. Like there's some there's a really great speech that Doran gives when he's still alive in the books, but there's a little bit of different characters and some spoiler stuff I wanted to do like <laughs> when Arya was yeah. blinded in the books, but it's so completely different that I'm like we're really in uncharted territory, but you know how you can plot your own course. You go to audiblepodcast.com slash bald move, get your free 30 day trial, grab one of, uh, what, grab one of Martin's books like Game of Thrones and start plugging away. Uh, cause there is so much more to the story and so much more detail and so, so much more richer experience that in my case, it's enhanced my enjoyment of the show. Obviously, reasonable people disagree on that. Uh, but yeah, audiblepodcast.com slash bald move. Go get your. F- 
your free 30-day trial right now. Uh, you can send feedback to Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or get on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. Remember, everything's segregated from spoilers, non-spoilers. I know we're getting close to the being beyond the books, but we're still not quite there. So uh, help me out by uh, help me and Jim out by clearly marking your spoiler discussions and, and stick to the spoiler thread if you want to talk about shit happening in the books or theories based on book speculation. Uh, anyway, going on to feedback, Chris Z has a couple has a theory for us since valerian steel supposedly forged from spells and dragon fire which is a supposed thing isn't it possible that someone such as danny could quote unquote break the wheel by destroying the iron throne with dragon fire thereby transforming that steel into valerian swords uh perhaps with an assist from sam and his studies of uh the 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 books and uh or the scrolls or whatever mm-hmm. or maybe we're halfway there anyway um he did some wiki research, said the Iron Throne is supposedly formed from the thousand swords that were surrendered to Aegon before the War of the Conquest, or after the War of the Conquest, were then melted down by the fiery breath of Aegon's dragon before being beaten and made into a throne. So maybe the Lannisters and Baratheons have been sitting on the ultimate weapon all along. Yeah, I, I mean... That's popular speculation. That right, I've, I've wondered about that for a long time now. The, the it, Iron Throne will literally be like this vast repository of awesome, magical, white and white walker weapons. It just never seemed to me like that was enough. Like there's not enough material there to make it, enough it didn't swords to make a say difference that he in the battle. Some, once and there was like 300 some, so it's not even a thousand. It's not going to turn the tide of the battle. Like that's the thing. I mean, maybe if you get them strategically into the right hands of the people who can kill the leaders of the or White what if Walkers. You instead, of, like, instead of going swords, you make them into arrowheads. Okay. All right. Because how many White Walkers are right. there anyway? There's a shit ton of whites, but no, I mean that's 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 a fairly popular piece of speculation. That somehow yeah. the, the 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 fact that the Iron Throne that everyone's chasing will be centrally important in some weird kind of way mm-hmm. that this way, but we'll have to see. Uh, they, Double A on T says, "Can we get a weekly worry meter for whether Jon Snow will return?" With Tim <laughs> being the most worried, I'd say I'm already at a five or six. How oh, about you Jesus. guys? I'm at a three. Yeah, it's it's pretty low so far. Two to three. Now, each week that it goes, because I, my magic number is the third episode. I think the third episode is where shit will go down. And he'll right. either be, he'll, he'll stop pining from the, for the Fords, mm-hmm. for the Fjords, and he'll either be all the way dead or he'll be in some version of undead or not dying or back from the <laughs> dead Jon Snow. Yep. But that's, you know, every, every episode we get up to that, I'm going to get a little bit more nervous and then past that. It's going to, you know, I'm going to crank up the tin pretty quickly. Uh, Devin from Virginia has a quick question. How the hell did the Sand Snakes get on a boat with Tristane? So this is the other side. Last season, we all saw them standing on the pier as they watched the boat sail away from the Dorne. So again, the pier, the, the location from which boats are launched, a singular boat, they mm-hmm. watch depart. Um, right, the only dock in all of Dorne. All of Dorne. And it is a dock. It's a perfectly functional boat dock, presumably with other boats nearby. <laughs> Right. Uh, did now two of them somehow magically on the very boat they watched sail away are appearing? Mm. Did the boat circle back after discovering Marcel was poisoned? Did the two sisters get on a rowboat and row out to the main ship? They, they wakeboarded. Did uh, they the entire way across? <laughs> did they ride up the King's Landing? Somehow beat the boat there. Now that's another possibility. They rowed faster. Well, than the think boat? like I don't know how the tr- they have to kind of do a. Well, that's the thing. In real life, you can't like if you Jog. sail if you sail from uh, you know the the old world to the new, 
you can't come back at the same latitude and the same path because the trade winds right. aren't working in your favor. Uh-huh. So it could be that they they either have to tack and beat up all the entire coast, and it's an arduous journey, that you could, with the right team of horses and the right people resupply, be faster overland. Maybe. Possible. Don't think so in the mountainous region of Dorne, but that's a possibility that I haven't seen mentioned yet. Does Dornish at least have awesome horses? Is that a thing that's established? Can we give something awesome to Dorne? Uh, Dorne has awesome, awesome, awesome wine. libidos and wine. Okay. And good weather. Hot, hot, good weather. <laughs> uh, anyway, he goes, uh, with this, po- with this content, content, continuity error, let me start over. This continuity error, combined with the fact that they killed off the only Dornish characters I actually wanted to see more of, the fact that they're busy on the underdeveloped characters who supposedly badassery I don't buy, it looks like the Dorn plot will continue to be terrible. The rest of the episode is absolutely great, so. don't get me wrong, but it looks like Dorn will continue to be the laughing stock of the show. It's the weakest, certainly. And and my thought is maybe this is actually good that like the double D's feel like they've gotten you know, they had to do certain plot points because either the book fans wanted to see it or because George said it's important and now they're getting to like in game version Dorn. So it might be cool again. Although man, they I think this I don't know, maybe the Sand Snakes could be cool. I don't. I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, <laughs> that I mean, sounds like a dubious claim. I thought they're kind of. I, I felt like a lot of that stuff is hokey in the books, and it is predictably hokey on the show. But yeah, I don't feel the same way about Alaria. I think that she is obviously okay. making poor decisions from a very um, emotionally charged place, mm-hmm. and that's not a woman thing. Like Oberyn is kind of right. the same way. Yeah. Um, but I do think she's interesting, and I do like her. Yeah, and, and I'm interested to see how well all of this political stuff shakes out. Yeah, uh, more so than I'm interested in the Sand Snakes themselves. Uh, Michael P gets in a uh, old lady joke. Says, I "Hope Clar- uh, Clarice Van Houten Houten gets a makeup endorsement for this shit. Maybe she's born with it. Nah, it's definitely <laughs> fucking Maybelline. Ephra- that's what's in the vials. That's what's in the. It's yeah. It's uh, medieval Ma- Maybelline. Okay. Medievaline." Uh, Ephraim M said, "Why the hell did Sir Alistair and gang leave the body there, only to tr- threaten Sir Davos and John's threats? Threat, ah, John's friends to kill them if they didn't give them the body? Did they go away to sleep and thought John's body is just going to still be there in the morning to pick him up after their morning latte?" It's a fair question. That's that's a, mm-hmm, a little tough to swallow. The only thing, and again, this is I recognize this is hand waving. This is an out of. This is not on the screen. Mm. But judging by it was a little bit on the screen. Judging by the way the other first uh, Bowen Marsh and and, and uh, uh, Yarick, the first builder and the the first steward reacted when Thorn just came out and flopped his dick out and said, "Yeah, I killed him there." Mm-hmm. I wonder if the plan was to have it be a bit of a mystery and kind of let the Black Brothers work through their grief before they do any kind of grand gesture. And Thorne is just, he was seeing the way this was going and wanted to kind of put the the, the kibosh on it all. Because mm. else, why okay. would you? Why would you leave his body there under the... The other thing is, I feel like that they wanted that to be staged like that because they had the big traitor sign. That wasn't for Jon Snow. That was for the people that discovered him. Um, and maybe they fucked up because Davos found it and he was able to grab, like, if if... Maybe they were reacting to Davos trying to rally the loyalists, and they didn't have control of the spin. Like I, that's you know that's that's what I think in my head. But I okay. can totally forgive you if you're not following along with me because again, it's not on the screen. 
Right. That, and with that the short runtime, maybe we could have seen a scene of Thorne before that thing where they're all talking about, oh, Jesus, we meant this to happen and, and what now? Yeah, we didn't think far enough ahead. Yeah, like that could have been a nice 30-second scene that would have answered those questions, and it wasn't there. So Yeah. Um, Matthew B. said, I've seen a popular internet theory that the final Melisandre scene was her giving decades of her own life so that Jon Snow could have them. Instead of her being ancient, that she's huh. essentially giving her life force up. Okay. Well, this seems like a reasonable idea. I'd like to... Pro- actually, that's the first time I'd actually seen that, so... Rapid aging. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, in The Princess Bride, like <laughs> right. 50 years of your life kind of sense. Uh-huh. Uh, I have to propose two other alternate theories on this final scene, Matthew says. A, this is just what she does every night before she goes to sleep. Yep, sure. There you go. That's the taking her makeup off uh, era, uh, uh, angle. Uh, B, the scene depicts her just giving up. Her image and her youth, much like her faith, have turned out to be nothing more than illusion. The scene is her giving up the illusion and walking away from the faith. If B is true, though, there's no way she can revive Jon Snow. However, I actually think the show can go on without him. When Jon first died, I always believed he would come back to life simply because with him gone, there would be no more characters or plot lines that we would care about at the wall. I'm happy to see I was mistaken. The plot of Davos and the few loyal brothers, a direwolf and Ed returning with the wildlings is as captivating as a plot line at the wall that I can think of. Yeah. I'd like to see Jon return. I no longer think it's essential to the plot at the wall. That's I fair. agree. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with Davos. Like I don't want him I've to die. I always thought Davos was cool. I don't give a shit about those other brothers cuz I don't know them yeah, well sure. enough, but Davos, yeah. Yeah. Got to be saved. Tall guy and shorty. I've always been fans <laughs> of them. Okay. Uh so the the other thing is like I think again, just remember what Thoros said about him losing faith and and how he came to his first resurrection. This could actually be playing right into their hands. So I don't know that that's uh, I agree with him as far as that this means Jon Snow can't come back. Matt B. said, I was an avid book reader, and now I have this season. Uh, I'm finding this season's making me very anxious. I was actually one of the strange people who read the book be- first before HBO made the series. The entire time I've been able to sit back and act like I'm better than everyone because I knew where the story was going. Mm-hmm. This first episode filled me with anxiety. Is this what it's like for people who <laughs> hadn't read the books? What are those people doing? This is horrible. I can't handle all these emotions. <laughs> it left me wondering if I read the books just so I wouldn't watch the show in a constant state of fear. I guess I, my question would yeah. be, like, is this not happening to you in the books? Like, right. I, I put the books down for weeks after the Red Wedding because I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you, Martin. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck your story. I'm out. I'm, I don't want any more. Yeah. Uh, I came back to it, but I've, I've had strong emotional reactions to shit that I've read in the show or in, in, this, in these books. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, now you're getting them. Uh, I guess I guess that makes sense. Something like in the screen that you can see is easier to get wrapped up in than. You know, reading. I don't know because there's a lot of gaps and stuff that your imagination fills in that can't be portrayed as well on the screen, right? Like, I, I, I think they're both they're both equally as vivid. I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know that I feel like TV is a better medium inherently because I agree because like you can get so in your own head with the books that it's it's so real that the emotional connection is super strong. But on the other hand, yeah. music. Music fucking hell. Like if they ever, <laughs> if if they ever develop the ability to subliminally play some sad ass music while you're reading a book, it might be game over. That's you know, we have a sponsor today <laughs> that may or may not be able to do that for you. Oh, so how how I don't know why audiobooks don't do this. Frankly, how, 
because how, no one can read like at this. I think it put, I think it put piss book readers off if they started making it more of a radio show. And, and also, you can't read at the speed of TV, right? So you've got sure. this this guy reading to you paragraph after paragraph. It's a fifteen minute long score for yeah. one scene. Yeah, it would be a nightmare. That but, would be evil though if they Audible started piping in like sad or angry or whatever music. Right, it, it the reigns of Castamere sure. just over and over. Uh, <laughs> I would have never picked the book back up again. Yeah. Carlos P. says, if Melisandre is a thousand years old, then that p- potentially gives her validity to the claim of being a prophetess. Okay, fair enough. I don't know where he gets this thousand years. Um, she looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she'd look like the fucking Crypt Creeper. If that, she, she would, looks, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, if she's a legit prophet, uh, so let's just run with that she's old. Okay. Uh, a thousand I years, a hundred years, a couple hundred years, who knows. If she's a legit prophet, contrary to what Davos has been thinking, and if she's really been around for a thousand or however many years, then she wouldn't then wouldn't she be the main source of knowledge for White Walker lore? And if she is the most valuable source of White Walker lore, then maybe she's had a hand in everything thus far. Dragons, Bran, maybe even Winter itself. Can it be possible being this old that she's some sort of Gandalf type of figure? Just like Gandalf was one of the overseers of Middle Earth, maybe Melisandre is something like that to the Seven Kingdoms. If she's seen the pieces moving like dragons and white walkers, maybe she's been trying to prepare for all this, just like Gandalf tells Denethor to light the beacons to call for Rohan's aid. I think this is important because if she's been around for a thousand years, then she knows what's about to happen because she's seen it happen before. Uh, I have a couple problems with this, um, but I want to get your perspective as a non, as a show first watcher. Uh, well, I mean, I don't have any indication as to exactly how old she is. Let's say she's sure. 200 years old. Yep. Uh, when did the dragons leave? A couple hundred years ago, about that? Uh, so 300 years ago, roughly, is when Aegon came over with his dragons. Okay. And I guess it's been about the last hundred years where the last dragon died. The okay. viable dragon. Not, maybe not even that long. But those, right. also, those dragons themselves were feeble like almost like the size of large cats because they're so stunted and just dying off. Right. I guess my main question would be like, what would she know that the general culture doesn't know? Because like people talk about dragons, people know that dragons existed a hundred years ago. Right. Is that like a, is that legend that people like some people don't believe? So there's, there's a couple theories that, um, that the mate, the maesters, uh, and the, the show has done this a little bit. That the Maesters uh, might have had a hand in the dragons, like like somehow secretly poisoning them, because they didn't like the fact that the Targaryens were so powerful because they had these dragons and they got kept people get kept getting swept up in their civil war and their family politics and it's yeah. just and then like the, and then they went on an aggressive magic isn't real campaign. Um, and you know that's the thing about an illiterate society in like two or three generations you can wipe out knowledge easy. Sure. Um, yeah, with a focused effort, yeah. Yeah, so there's this, and again, there's nothing that's hard and concrete. This is just people reading the books and having way too many years between them to speculate. Um, but, I also wonder just how much you absorb even being alive at the time. You know? Sure. Like, if you're not in key positions, if you're not yeah. around the action, how much firsthand knowledge do you really have of that time? Sure, and my but the big thing is is even if you say that she's a thousand years old, my impression is that that's not nearly long enough to remember the White Walkers, right? Like it's right. been millennia, lot like yeah. there's been nine hundred some nine hundred ninety eight Lord Commanders since the Wall first got put up, and that was at the right. end of the Great War. So, but who knows? They seem to drop like flies. So yeah. maybe that was five months ago. <laughs> 
It's true. Uh, it's, I, it's, it's the, the average lifespan of a Lord Commander once he takes the post is like two and a half weeks. Seems like it. <laughs> I do have a question about maesters and politics. Like, okay. So you said they, they send these maesters out to all these different houses, right? Yeah. And all these different places. Do they active, actively participate in politics? Because why would they be giving everyone maesters if that were the case? Boy, that's a loaded question, Jim. Uh, it is? Oh, well, shit. I mean, because number one, I do <laughs> believe on there's something in their vows that they have to serve, you know, they have to give legal service, like loyal and un, uncompromised, unbiased service to their lords, regardless of what house and regardless of their former okay. affiliations and all that kind of thing. So does, so every house would get a maester if yes, they're following that's true. Vows. Every great... Every great, I think every, yeah, every house has got a keep essentially. Like, you know, so it's, okay. it's, it's not like not every, not every hedge knight and, you know, up jumped, <laughs> right. whatever. Like, Bronze not going to have a ma- maester, even if he gets his fucking castle. Right. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how big the Stoke first are. Anyway, uh, on the other hand, these guys are men and they have agendas and sure. they, there might not, there might be unofficial things that they're supposed to do. I, I don't know. That's that, but that's what I'm saying. It's a great question because the Citadel and the Maesters and all their order is somewhat kind of mysterious. And, and, um, with, 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 uh, Sam, both in the show and in the books going to yes. there to study, like that's one of the exciting things like, aha, absolutely. We'll actually find out what's going on as monastic, weird political advisor order. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for that. Um, let's move on, Stephanie R. First of all, first of all, why is Cersei suddenly so zen about the death of her children? Did she take an extra large Xanax in addition to her daily wine that morning? When Joffrey died, she was all about putting heads on spikes, everyone's, and now Jamie tells her that her bestest, purest child and only daughter is dead, and she's like, yup, nothing we can do, it's the prophecy, c'est la vie. <laughs> well, I think the prophecy is it, right? Like, she sees this coming to fruition. She She doesn't believe she can fight against it. She's... She's devastated. Stephanie says, I'm a much greater fan of the busting down door Cersei than this mellowed out version. But <laughs> that's the thing. Like, the prideful, arrogant part of Cersei probably at this point in her life thought that she had beat the witch. Yeah. And in the space of God knows how much time has passed, months or very short years, mm-hmm. all this stuff has been reversed on her. I think it's like she's looking fatalistic. Now, you, you might have not to look like at her that look, but I think yeah. it's consistent with what a, a, a genuine human being would go through at, at at a low point in their and in, in their life, and, and like look at it through the ironic juxtaposition of her and uh, Melisandre, right? Mm-hmm. Like Melisandre proclaims all these prophecies, believes them to be true, and now she's seeing them not come true. Whereas Cersei always defied this prophecy and and thought it wouldn't come true, and now boom, here it is on her doorstep. Like both of these characters are just real low right now. Sure. Uh, secondly, why did the traitors who killed Jon Snow not burn his body? Haven't they figured out by now that bodies aren't burned, become white walkers? Why would they just leave him in the snow? <laughs> um, so that's a question. Why wouldn't they burn his body? Um, I thought, does this ring a bell to you? Uh, I thought it was established on the show that it's only if you were killed by a white or white walker. It's a kind of it's a zombie thing. It's not, well, zombies not in The Walking Dead. Like, hmm. if you die okay. in this world, you do not come back as a white. It's something that the white walkers have to do to you. Right. So in absence of that... I don't know. Remember like, the guy I, that came back to life at Castle Black they had gotten from, you know, they, they'd gotten his body from north of the wall. Right. So I'm trying to think of an example where someone whited out with no previous engagement with a white walker. Sure. And, and we know that the, the walkers aren't around. 
right? Yeah. They're not at the wall yet, so yeah. uh, maybe they they just didn't think there was any danger of that. Sure. I don't know. I mean, like I said, there's the fifth thing I've been hand-waving away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheem says, I'm a bit confused. The old woman that told Cersei... Wait a second. Uh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I thought, I, I thought I'd accidentally left a spoiler in here. It's very confusing. I have, like, three different documents open as I'm compiling this stuff, and it's like I'm just shutting them. Spoiler, not spoiler, spoiler, not spoiler. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit confused. The old woman, uh, the witch, told Cersei that three of her kids would basically die. Is that prophecy fulfilled now that Joffrey, Marcella, and the unnamed baby she had with Robert uh, hmm. all dead? Or does a prophecy include Tommen and not the young baby who is also a prince? Please clear this up for me. So if you recall in season one, one of the ways they humanize Cersei is to have her tell the story to Catelyn about losing a young child to fever. And and apparently the only actual baby she had with Robert. Yeah, right. Black I'm wondering hair if and- that isn't part of it. Like. Was wasn't the prophecy like you would have like three children with blonde yeah, hair gold, and they would have gold, shrouds of well, gold as well? Was it golden their hair, golden their crowns? Which I guess you could interpret either way. Yeah, I suppose golden so. Shall be the I, I interpret it as hair, which we know all, yeah. all three of these do. Well, and I assume show. a Baratheon baby wouldn't. That but. scene with her and Catelyn Stark was completely a show fabrication. So they uh, could have inadvertently. Okay open a bit of a plot hole but on the other hand you could also say well that wasn't a gold-haired child so right that's what that's what i yeah think but yeah but it's definitely something i i could see then and that's the thing they by evolving cersei beyond the kind of two-dimensional cartoon villain she is in the books they might have stepped in a bit of uh dragon shit uh, there, <laughs> frankly, how do you avoid it? How, you know, it's, it's nearly it's, impossible it, to avoid. Uh, you know that's that's why the dragon had to die it, out. And just end up spreading it around. It's sure, like it just <laughs> covers the whole land at a depth of six feet evenly. If, you, if that's that's why they had to go. Uh, T M Hughes wants to know why does Sir Davos owe his life to Jon Snow all of a sudden? I think that might be a misinterpretation. I think Sir Davos was talking about the other dudes yeah. in the room. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> not, not me, but you guys yeah, kind of like owe lives. People. Yeah. Uh, is Gendry being entered into the Westerosi Olympic rowing team for Brazil in 2016? G- Gendry? Gendry, yeah. What, Gendry. Who the fuck is Gendry again? Gendry is the illegitimate son of Robert Baratheon that was the blacksmith that Ned rescued from the city in season one. And we Didn't la- he fuck off to nowhere? Well, that's the thing. Davos put him on a boat and told him to keep rowing in this direction. And that's, <laughs> right. the, la- like, that's the joke. He's still rowing. Okay. Some All say right. he still rows to this day. Is he ever going... Is he ever going to come back to be prominent in the show again? I have no idea, the, man. I mean, it's, I'm perfectly fine with him just being a plot point of like, well, that's how Ned knew that, you know, the the, the Lannister children or the Baratheon children are illegitimate. Yeah. But then they had him come show up with the, he, the I, Brothers I will just Borders. Say, and... I have not thought about Gendry in seasons, and I don't care. Okay. I don't care if he comes Would back. Would you recognize him if he showed back up? borderline that's all it I depends need. that's what all is, i need from you man has his hair changed like did he do, <laughs> do did he do a cersei or like yeah it's, it's blonde a theon how how crazy does he look yeah or like a lancel now if cersei I mean, had dyed fuck. her baby's hair blonde could she have spared tommen's life that's the real question uh, well the world may never know uh candace w said when Tyrion and Varys are strolling through marine the camera shows a man watching them through a broken window the view is over a man's shoulder, but does not show his face. At this moment, Varys states the Sons of the Harpy are so well organized that they must be taking orders from a leader. I thought the man looking at the window looks like Littlefinger. 
I know it bends the physics of time and what? space, but could Littlefinger also have been had a hand in Marine? He certainly would not be thrilled with Danny taking the Iron Throne, and he's always out to screw over Varys. He comes back, burns the boats. Sure, yeah. Says, "I'm here now. I'm taking. I'm taking over this town." He's a he's a boat burner. I did it look like Littlefinger? I for some reason I kind of remember seeing a mask, but that might be a false memory. Nah, from the I mean that's the thing. Like Littlefinger looks like an average nondescript white guy from the back. It's true. Yeah. So I I I didn't get that, but I can also kind of squint and see where she would. But on the other hand, like people are already giving Littlefinger grief for being the true teleporter of the Seven Kingdoms. Like he goes uh he's at the Riverlands, he's at the Vale, he's at the Winterfell, he's back yeah. down uh Cersei snaps her fingers and he materializes in, in King's Landing. Going across a narrow sea That's a trip. That's a bit of a trip. And it's not just like Eh, we're gonna we're gonna land on the shore and here yeah. we are. Yeah. So you got to go all the way down around that fucking continent, don't you? No. Uh, Is it marine like further east than the shore? Yes. Than the shores would, of Essos. Yes, yeah, that's entirely true. You're okay. Right. You have it's, it's not a long like going to Bravos. It's like going right. sailing down the coast of Africa almost. So who knows? Okay. Uh, moving on, Lino from the Hotlanta. The ATL. Did you guys feel like the top five experiences back and forth between the cow and his men felt like it came from a different show or movie? Yeah. I almost felt the actors laughing behind the acting. It seems like a bad improv moment from an Apatow movie. It was enjoyable, but out of place to me. That said, it did make me laugh. What do you think, Jim? I agree. Uh, I I thought the jokes were a little too broad for this show. Um, maybe a little out of place there. Well... So, I kind I of agree, know. but on the other hand, like I like the fact that like the cow, this, this is maybe the way the cows and his blood riders talk when it's just a bros, and sure. they don't think this white woman, this this white haired lady, can understand what they're saying. So they're just, uh-huh. you know, like I don't think there's any way that his loyal men would would dress, you know, kind of tease him that way if they thought anyone important was paying attention. Right. Um, it kind of borderline shocking they talk this way in front of his wives. Yeah. I wonder if this is uh, we're supposed to imply that this is a this cow's not quite as uh, I mean because that's the thing Drogo was like a, a, a capital K cow like he was a, maybe the hope to unite the whole uh, Kalasar. Um Yeah, I broadly felt the same way about Tyrion jabbing at Varys like. Oh, because the... you you aren't a boy. Uh, because you have no cock. Like good goof, Tyrion, but. A little mean spirited and yeah. not really you're within I don't know, it's within his character. They have a antagonistic they relationship. Do a little bit, but, but that that that's not their finest work. Not not at all. No. Okay. Uh, moving on, Logan C. said, two points I'd like to ask you guys about. First, I know you guys touched on the inconsistent Game of Thrones time stream in the instant cast, but I've long wondered why Thrones can get away with this, whereas shows like Breaking Bad or others cannot. It doesn't impact my appreciation of the show, but it's odd that Thrones gets a pass here where we may kill another show if it did the same thing. Well, the places where we kill shows like The Walking Dead on this topic Mm -hmm. are when there's other continuity to say this should have happened like this and and it's an actual continuity error yeah. whereas this this is a shifting timeline that is confusing but i think consistent like i i don't think there's like big things that say well this must have happened here mm-hmm. and this must have happened here and they couldn't be the same time but the show is acting like they're the same time yeah it doesn't ever do that it's just showing us different chunks of time and also like i give him a pass because what are the... 
I mean, they're kind of screwed what the, what the kids aging because that tells you years well, are passing, yeah. but in the books it just it's not right. like that. But like I'm I'm you're never going to hear me slam the Walking Dead because Chandler Riggs is now uh, like 17 years old. Sure. Like that's a consequence of being on the air for seven, eight years. And we might make will, jokes about it, but I make jokes, but and I, and I I can criticize them when they give him material that was appropriate for when he was an eight year old, like in the comics. Yeah. Um. But that's the thing, like, and I guess that's the brand question when brands this hulking, yep. you know, man. Uh-huh. Uh Arya still like Arya still like, Arya and Sansa can still pull off their. They don't feel like they've aged. As much, certainly. And Jon Snow yeah. doesn't either, because they were, you know... Um, it's kind of amazing. They actually got really lucky with Arya. Because I think so. Because she, she was really young, and she could have turned into... She could have pulled, like, a Hermione Granger and, like, completely transformed. But she still kind of believably plays a very young girl. Yeah, I like, think so. If you told me that Maisie Williams was 13, 14, I wouldn't be like, get the fuck out of here. Here's the other thing. She's with, 18, 19 now. The, the other thing with this show. So I, I read some horrifying thing. She's got a sex scene in some movie. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Arya. Yeah. Arya, you've lost all your innocence. Yeah. Uh, it was. <laughs> Stabbing a man's eyes out and cutting his throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sex scenes. What's going right. on? Well, you, you participate in both violence and. Sure. Uh, well, I'm an American, okay? I'm much more comfortable with graphic violence and graphic sex, okay? Absolutely. And we know nothing about the queen. Uh, the, the other thing about this show and this universe is that the distances are vast and travel is fucking boring Yes, and you never want to see those kind of connecting moments, right? Unless it's Varys and Tyrion riding through the countryside, cracking each other with jokes. And and that's the fan that does, they get away with with the fantasy stuff. Cause like same with Star Wars, like, oh, we're at Tatooine. Now we're at the core of the galaxy. Now we're outside the galaxy. I mean, like... You, do you really want the you know for the how many the, parsecs do you want to see exactly? Come on. I think that's why they get away with it because it's the ambition that you got you know it's supposed to be taking place within a year or so, but the kids are visually aging, and what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, what, recast the kids? I don't think so. Uh, and also, the fantasy just kind of makes it a little bit. It's like adding right. alcohol to you know you can drink a coke, you can drink a rum and coke. Your evening is going to go a lot different if you go with the rum and coke, and that's what fantasy does for you. Yep. Uh, secondly, I'm a little tired of the same old story with Danny. Uh, Logan continues. Sure, this most recent rendezvous with the Dothraki may lead to something big for her in terms of gaining support, but she does seem to be constantly trudging through Essos with no clear return in, uh, to Westeros in sight for her. Aaron seemed to be enjoying her arc as of now, but I'm tired of it. Will she ever mm-hmm. return? This happenings in Westeros move so quickly. There's constant turnover there. Essos seems to just slow down what should be an integral storyline. That storyline being Danny, the dragons, and Tyrion. Your thoughts? I have been variably bored and excited by Danny's plot over the years. It, by by Danny's role in all this. I think that sums up a lot of people's feelings. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's hitting a bit of a lull right now. I don't. I don't know that I care to see Danny off doing her thing. I'd much rather see her back in Marine with Tyrion, yeah. uh, trying to conquer this this problem yeah. that they've got. But I guess I have faith that it'll come back around to something more interesting than just Jorah and Dario ride mm-hmm. in and save the day, and then they mm-hmm. all go back to Marine, and this was a big delay, right? Yeah, something. I mean, that's the thing is I. I once they, I was much more patient once they got the Marine, because that's something for Danny to do. Right. When Danny was just going around the beggar queen trying to figure out, and where's my drag, that got old quick. Um, mm-hmm. But now, because I feel like that's the thing, like, I would actually find it incredibly unsatisfying 
if someone rode up with 100 ships right now and be like, let's fuck off to Westeros, because she needs to deal with Marine. They've made this as, like, this is her Waterloo. She's either going to figure out how to rule the city, and, yeah. and it's important to her. It, like, she was a slave uh-huh. herself with no agency, and she does not want, like, it, it's not good enough to kick over to Hornet's Nest and then leave. She wants to set up something that's enduring. Um, and as much as Arya is being trained right now, Danny is being trained. Yes. I mean, she, if she's to take over King's Landing and rule, she can't have no experience with the kingdom right. at large. So right. ruling the city of Marine and getting a, a handle on that is important both to her because of all the motivation she has, but also to the story where, where she becomes an actual ruler. Now, having said that... Uh-huh. Knowing what the Double Ds have said recently, with there being perhaps thirteen more episodes of plot left for Danny or for the entire after this ten after this oh, season. Oh, after this, okay. So <laughs> right, you got so you got ten more. Everyone, calm down. You got nine <laughs> more episodes, and then another seven. Okay, and then another. Six. Oh no, sorry, another thirteen. Yeah, another another three, a negative five, negative five episodes. <laughs> Everyone is confused. Uh, so you got after this Including season, me. you got thirteen episodes left. Yeah. It's going to be somewhat shocking if she's not poised to take on Westeros at the end of this season. Like, like take heart, people. Like, yeah. if, if she doesn't leave Westeros here, it's pro- or if she doesn't leave for Westeros here, it's probably because she's in a box. Okay. Um, which, I mean, maybe not take heart. but A werewood box? Is it like, uh, <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, and she'll get resurrected. Although and they'd have to import the that wood, wouldn't it? I like, guess you know, like, imported wood's more expensive. They, they got a they got a free trade agreement with Essos. It's okay. import's not going to be a problem. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I think that this the thing's going to be moving quickly. But that's been a joke with us book readers because we know that she just sits in marine and does nothing for ever. Like every season, people are like, "Oh my God, Danny's got her ship. She's going." I'm like, yeah, wait, just keep. Now I think the joke's on everyone, right? Because man, if she doesn't make it out this season, what the hell? Uh, speaking of disagreements with Danny's plot, 20 Minutes wrote in and said, the Double D's idea of an interesting subplot for the Queen of Dragons to have her get kidnapped again and sit through 20 minutes of catcalling? Why? Seriously, out of all the interesting things that could be going on for her, we have to go back to the basic of the rapey kidnap? Daenerys spent countless episodes clawing her way up, and now all that progress is stripped away from her. Not only that, but why? I swear the Double Ds have some kind of weird rape obsession because they do their best to fit it into the plot lines of every single female character in some shape or form. You know what? I bet that was a part of every single female's life during those times. Don't kid yourself. It's still a big fear for women today. Absolutely. In the case of Daenerys, sexual violence and threats of sexual violence are more the bread and butter of her character arc than her goddamn dragons. Okay. Now, obviously, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking about this particular subject, uh-huh. and I, as I explained briefly in my show discussion, I felt like the fundamental difference here, even from Sansa, is that Daenerys knows more than these people do, and she's got the trump card of her, uh, uh, you know, she's the mother of dragons, she's got dragons, and she's got one particular that's roaming the countryside and still feels some kind of loyalty towards her right. and protectiveness towards her. And she knows the Dothraki culture. She knows she has this. So it's like the whole time they're yucking about what they're going to do to her and they don't think she's understanding. She's gaining information, engaging the situation, know that she can deal this card off the top of the deck and and win. Um, Mm -hmm. Or at least do something with it. And I feel like it's premature to judge this plot line until we see what happens with her when she gets to Vast Dothrak. Um, but you're not, I, I understand why people would be sensitive to this kind of shit looking like it's starting up again. Well, I think that's key. They might almost in a way get, be getting a preemptive start 
toward where where Danny's going. Yeah. Like if she were in Marine at this point and yeah. the boats were burning and she weren't yet on her way to finding what I think is a crucial piece of an army that she doesn't quite have yet. Yeah. Like she has dragons, she has a few thousand unsullied if that now. Um but I don't think that's enough to take King's Landing. I I don't think you she can She still do doesn't it. have Yeah, you're right. She so, still doesn't have enough. So if this is a way for her to get a Dothraki army, which I is, think they're getting a, a jump start on that by the, having the boats burn while she's out already. And see, that's you know? the thing. Like with with drag with Cal Dro- Dro- Drogo, she was getting yeah. like uh, the shit renovated. Like this is all someone else's stuff who feels sorry for you. And now now she built this shit from the ground up. And that right? means yeah. like yes, it's like a return to the same plot that we got in season one. But her characters change, and what her ownership of the situation has changed. Yeah, I, I'm. But no, I, I yeah, the I, fact I, that like women got raped in the past, so I don't find that a persuasive reason to have it in every because like you know what else? Oh sure, yeah. Men stubbed their toes when they're twenty five and got their feet amputated, and they got hernias, and that shit never comes up in fights. So it's like if we want to talk historical accuracy, um, right. but I think they're they're going for. I, I would take hope and say they're going for something a little bit more interesting this time. Twenty minutes. I hope so, but I can still totally see why. This would be pretty boring. Yeah. For a lot of people. Yep. Sparky Z said the wildlings wipe out the night's oh wait, this is I, I introduced this poorly. Uh has some speculation for what he thinks is gonna happen based on some of the stuff we said in the preview. Uh Wildlings wipe he thinks the Wildlings gonna wipe out the Night's Watch entirely and garrison the wall. Who better to make a determined stand against the White Walkers than people who had seen what the Army of the Dead can do? Mm. The Night's Watch was a failing or perhaps failed institution with no support from Westeros and no prospects of being able to fully garrison the Wall. Most of the members of the Watch don't really believe in Grumpkins and Snarks beyond the Wall. The Watch was never going to work hand-to-hand with the Wildlings. It's a pathway to citizenship for the Wildlings. With the abolition of the Watch, John can legitimately ignore those pesky vows way better than the technicality of now his Watch has ended loophole nonsense. Um, so this is essentially him saying that, like, instead of the the watches being destroyed and taken up by the wildlings, I think that's kind of an interesting idea. I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, they have a much larger army at this point. Yeah. Know? They do a better job than the few hundred. I mean, at this point, th- when they said 40 men, because at one point, uh, uh, I think it's Davos said... A dire wolf is not going, or no, they said, what's a redhead going to do against 40 armed men? Right. I think that's an accurate estimation of the Black Brothers' total strength now. At Castle Black? At, well, yeah, there might be some other. I think it's yeah, at Castle true. Black, because we still, know they were going to send what's-his-nuts who got his head chopped off over yeah. to another castle. Yeah. And like, and you got, you got the, they've always garrisoned Eastwatch by the sea. And um, I have a feeling the shit's going to go down at Castle Black. Like, I don't well, I mean, think... no, you got you got forty guys plus what half a dozen in a room and a dire wolf. Yeah. Like, and well, what I mean is like when the White Walkers come to the wall, they're going to approach from Castle Black. I don't think we're going to jump over to some other castle. Oh yeah, on the wall with a bunch of nobodies we've never sure. seen, and the White Walkers sneak okay. through that way. Fair enough. So, uh, when has a related uh, a thought here. Uh, said when uh, Dolores Dolores Ed is dispatched to recruit the others that owe their life to Jon Snow, I thought Davos meant the Wildlings, which I believe you pointed out as well. Now if Ed comes back with a band of Wildling fighters and they liberate the Loyalists or otherwise fight the remaining Night's Watch brothers, Alistair Thorne's prediction will have come true. He's been saying all along that not to let these murderous rapists through the gates because they will turn around and become enemies to the Night's Watch. Obviously, the circumstances are a little different than everyone expected, mm-hmm. but this is a roundabout way of proving that Alistair was, in fact, correct. Just thought this was a noteworthy observation. 
I think now combine this with the email before. I think the irony is even higher that Mm. Alistair created a self-fulfilling prophecy through his actions and stubbornness. Right. Because if he doesn't kill Jon Snow, the watch is not destroyed. Right. Right. Um, but because of his stubborn way of clinging to what he thought the mission of the that, that's I've always been more sympathetic to John. Like I'm fighting for the side of the living. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's all well and good to keep the night the the wildlings out from raping and reaving and whatever they're doing. But like when it's us against an undead army, you gotta side with the living. Yeah. This is why making promises always backfires, right? These vows, like sure. circumstances change, man, well, and we might have to do something that we didn't expect. A thousand years ago when we took up this vow. Well, and that's that's always that's one of the great, interesting, rich things about Game of Thrones is it explores the guys like Ned who are so stuck on their loyalty and their word that they do stupid shit and yep. and, and get defeated by evil men and guys like Littlefinger whose me- words mean nothing. Right. Like there's a middle ground here that I think is best embodied by Danny and John, where they're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. This is a lot more complicated situation than everyone's trying to make it. We need to understand yeah. and figure this shit out and be smart about it. And, of course, one of them's dead and the other one's being kidnapped. So <laughs> <laughs> it's still a Martin production. Uh, William I says, the way for Jon Snow to return will be the copy of what happened to Jean Locke and Lost. Oh, God. Okay. After Locke, yeah, you're going to have to help me out because I know So he's going to come back as, well, as a smoke monster. Spoiler alert. Lost. No, he's not coming back as a smoke monster. He's coming back as some spiritual island protector. I don't. But he know. he actually asserts that he was brought back as a smoke as a smoke monster taking his form. He was brought back as Jacob. Okay, I've let rap- I, I I don't know. There's shit in a cave. Like that show lost me at that point. Okay, <laughs> like, so big time. You, we, so all, I, the, all the Lost fans discuss on... with William amongst yourself. Yeah. He says, it's so simultaneously true that the Locke was really dead, yet he still had some kind of form that lived on, and he wonders if Jon Snow's going to be, like, we're all expecting him to be Lord of Lighted or Whited, or, or, but yeah. what if he comes back as more of um, either, you know, the meat puppet idea, uh, theory that's going to be manipulated by whatever's keeping Melisandre alive, or okay. what if he comes back as almost like a, a ghost or a force or... You know, he's in the trees, he's in the wolves, he's, <laughs> he's in, in all of trees. us. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, this is where the fantasy stuff loses Yeah, me. I don't know. Uh, can I just say, real quick. No. For for your sake, okay. Aaron, please, I know, I'm, I'm admitting it, I'm admitting it. I'm wrong, and okay. you're right about Lost. Please, we don't need Lost emails on top of the Game of Thrones emails. <laughs> just don't do it i put all the right. keyboards down all right i'm you're I'm right ma- I'm, you're I'm right making, you're all right I'm, I'm making an email filter right now <laughs> lost exclude uh, to direct tra- to trash. yes direct to, no yeah because that's the thing like i thought you had seen up until the last season i have like but you did man, a lot of background watching in the last few seasons yeah um jane w says this about you guys that the graffiti in marine is in modern english there's something that feels just really jarring to me about this visual, almost as if we accidentally got a glimpse of camera equipment in the shot. <laughs> of course, not only did the Marines, uh, Marinese obviously not speak the common tongue, but I've always thought the common tongue was something closer to Anglo-Saxon or something, uh, the language we know of as English not yet existing. And also, wouldn't the slaves be illiterate for the most part? What do you think? Sure. Like, I, if I guess, if that bothers you, I understand why. But I just feel to like... me, I don't care. 
Star Wars, man. Like, every time you see written Star Wars, it's all some kind of weird Star Wars glyphy conj crap. Mm-hmm. But when you got to know that Obi-Wan's shutting down the shield generators, they're labeled with red tape, shield generator. Right. You know, uh, sometimes you got to cheat so the people at home, you know, what? what it, I guess it felt more real if it's some kind of crazy font. And then it has a subtitles that say... Right, the- I mean, they could have had... You know, they could have done the goof where Tyrion's like misreading it or something. Yeah. Like as they walk by and Varys is like, no, it says this. I guess that could have been, yeah. I mean, it would have been pretty easy to do that. Yeah. So shame on them for not doing it, but I don't care personally. And also the fact that the slaves are illiterate, that's true, but people, you know, um, I mean, that could actually be an implication that, I mean, I think. That someone else wrote it? Yeah. Like, here's my thought. Grey Worm and his commandos are the ones that originally wrote Kill the Masters. And then the Sons of the Harpy, whatever faction they are, wrote Misha is a master. So, like, right. I don't think it's the slaves doing the writing. Hmm. But whether English or not bothers you, I mean, that's just... If it know. really bothers you, go to Reddit. Somebody corrected it. So. <laughs> they put it in the original Valerian. Yeah. Yeah. With proper grammar and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but they said something about the, the, the Misha wants to eat us. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Teresa V says, why do you think they spent so much time reminding us about the grayscale? This is the last email, by the way. Uh, they highlighted it on the previously on, which was insanely long, and then took time to show Jorah looking at his grayscale again. We get it. Jorah's dying. Why do you guys think they need to keep reminding us? They are really just bashing us over the head with this stuff. I mean, from literally, from actually showing his wrist with the grayscale to all of the dialogue in that scene. Like, if you live long enough. I hope I live long enough to see Danny conquer it. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, we know Jorah's not going to. I mean, he's got, what, six months if he's lucky, and then he's headed to Valeria? I think it's when we'll, we'll swallow it so when he gets fully grayscaled, he becomes like the thing from Fantastic Four, and it's all about clobbering time. <laughs> God. Uh, I. But he, but he says clobbering time in Valerian, right? Yes, of course. He'd have <laughs> okay. to be in high Valerian. Right. It's, it's probably like forsooth it's thy time for clobbering um <laughs> i you know i don't know because i could see if they went four or five episodes that mention it people would be like oh they've really lost a grayscale plot um it's just you know you gotta always remember the people listen to this podcast we are the one percent right uh, most people, they're like, I fucking love Game of Thrones and I'm excited for it to watch. And they're posting memes on Facebook and shit are like, they need the previously ons. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is like, when you're binge watching these in the future, these previously ons won't exist. That's so true. like, yeah. it could be that you're just peaked, your 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 ire is peaked because you got the four minute intro where they belabored the point and then they belabor it within five minutes or 15 minutes of getting into the episode. I don't know that that's, that's their fault. That's just they. You know, that that's just the way this stuff works in the previously ons, and sometimes it doesn't work in your favor. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's pretty obvious at this point. But you know? also, like, I don't know. Do you want to speculate about where they're going with this grayscale stuff? I mean, there's no actual cure. I mean, I guess there, there kind of is well, if, Solis, if you're Stannis. Or, uh, Shireen went into remission. Right. I mean, it didn't go away, but it didn't kill her. Yeah. Or, or it didn't make her into whatever the Valerian city has become. Oh, uh, yeah, the doomed men. Yeah. The stone men, rather. Right. Um, so I guess there is some kind of treatment for it, but he seems to be just on a mission to to rescue Danny, his health be damned. I, I don't know that he's out trying to cure himself. Do you think there'll be, a, like, this petty plot where he deliberately infects Dario? I 
No, that doesn't seem like Jorah. Uh, Jorah's done a lot of things that don't seem like Jorah. The only way I could see that is if he thought that Dario wasn't actually trying to help Danny, but and was in some way working against her. That's the thing. Like it's in the Game of Thrones universe, it's entirely possible that Dario could legitimately be one hundred percent for the Queen and for Jorah to suspect otherwise. Maybe so. Maybe so. And that would be like another tragedy to his character. They haven't set that up yet, but. I mean, if they do go that direction, sure, then I could see it. Would I, At this point, though, like, another popular theory is that uh, that scene is that Jorah is going to accidentally infect the whole of Marine. But at this point, if one more goddamn thing happens, Marine, <laughs> that's not moving Danny closer to getting the fuck out of there, I think people will riot. Yeah. Like, if, you know, episode eight, it's like, we're about ready to get on the boats. Oh, shit, my people are, you know, struck with the plague. I cannot leave them, you know? Like... Yeah. Good God, can you imagine the feedback we'll get on that? What if he sullies the unsullied accidentally? <laughs> and there goes her army. <laughs> they grow they grow stone penises. <laughs> they replace their lost limbs. And that's that's how Grey Worm and uh, the Miss Sandy are gonna get together. He's gonna have a brand new stone penis and balls. <laughs> uh, all this romance plot was going somewhere. Imagine if you had an army of unsullied who were also stone men. Were also... That she could somehow control. And dragons mm. and the Dothraki, that that's a pretty formidable you know, army. That's actually kind of cool because the whole thing about the um, the Enceladus are so disciplined and they take right. those drugs, so they're not susceptible to pain. Like it'd be interesting if they got all of the physical strength or I guess uh, tough skin, but none of the like they're still able and, to follow orders. Yeah, the infectious zombie-like quality too. Yeah, because like, that's kind of what they were trained from birth to do to be and do with with different Just obey and yeah fight. yeah so like that maybe still is I don't... an instinct that they retain I'm, I'm i'm going crazy with speculation here do but, it that's what we love but why not uh speaking of going crazy speculation we will have a tinfoil or an, well i'm sorry not a tinfoil a spoiler a spoiler edition mm. of our podcast out on friday can't promise on any this people have sent me some intriguing tinfoils that i'm researching right now Okay. So we might have uh, more than I had thought this season. Not Definitely not one this week, uh, but we will have a good hardcore spoiler speculation. I've already gotten a lot of email, but it's not too late. Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. Uh, if you get it to me before like Thursday morning, it's probably going to be the cutoff because I have to eventually say enough and, and, and produce the episode. But uh, So you got a day or two to get this into me uh, and, and make the spoiler edition at long last. We did two hours on the first damn episode where nothing really happened. I'm afraid, Jim. It could be bad. We'll always be podcasting. Maybe this is just the initial excitement and it'll wear off, but... That's never been the case. Like... True. It always starts yeah. off with, oh, my God, I can't believe there's this much feedback coming in. And then the end of the season is like, oh, you know, <laughs> right. so you get hit with dragon shit. We'll see. I need to contract track gate grayscale. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. Thanks everybody, for sticking with us for such a long episode. And if you're into spoilers, we'll see you Friday. If not, we'll see you right after the episode on Sunday. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you.